Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. And ho, ho, ho. It is Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. I, I hope all you guys, however you guys celebrate the season, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas season to you and yours, family and friends. Some quiet times, some peaceful times, some exciting times, some fun times. Whatever. Ann and I are going to go see Spider-Man today because that's how we want to choose. That's how we choose to spend our Christmas Eve. So listen, guys, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody in the live chat, everybody who's here. Thank you so much for being here today. And, you know, uh, normally we probably wouldn't do a show today. And we, of course, gave Kim and, and Ray the day off. But I thought, you know what? Probably a lot of us with the day off today just want to gather around with some familiar faces online and chat about some stuff. So today is a, a very, very different John Campion show. It's just going to be pretty laid back and relaxed. That's what we're doing today, laid back and relaxed. We're just going to chat. I'm going to take questions that you guys have sent in via the tip link. I'm going to take questions and comments and uh, things you guys want to say in the uh, super chat and stuff like that. And we'll just hang out here today for a while and get ourselves in the Christmas spirit. And listen, you know, you guys often hear me talk about how, um, you know, the Oscars is my second favorite day of the year. Right. I always say I even like the Oscars Day more than my own birthday. I look forward to Oscars Day, not counting last year. I look forward to Oscars Day more than even my own birthday. But my favorite day of the year is still Christmas. There's something about Christmas to me. Um, and, you know, I come from a bit of a faith background. But even if I didn't, um, Christmas to me, you know, being right near the end of the year, it gives me a moment to reflect and be thankful for, you know, all the things that that I do get to have in my life, the people, the relationships, the family, all that kind of stuff. But it also gives me a day to kind of look forward to the possibilities of the new year, not just the possibilities of the things I might be able to do or might be able to accomplish, but the things I look forward to in the new year of trying to get one step closer to being overall the person I want to be. I know that sounds really corny, not, not not normally something we talk about on the John Campbell show at all, but honestly, Christmas is that is is that big day of the year too that I look forward to kind of, you know, where we reevaluate ourselves and think about more about the person, you know, that you are and the person you want to be. And the Christmas just does all that for me. On top of the great, you know, thoughts of family and everything like that. And again, another Christmas I'm not gonna be able to be with my family because they're up in Canada. Hopefully I'm gonna get be able to get up to see them in two or three weeks. Uh, fingers crossed that this Omicron thing doesn't shut travel down anymore. But anyway, that's where we're at. And I am so grateful, guys. It's speaking of gratefulness, I am so grateful for you guys. Um, you know, being going through the pandemic, and, and I touched on this once before. But as we come up, up to Christmas, I, I want to mention again, going through the pandemic is a very, very challenging time if you're a sports network or a movie channel. Because there's no sports. I remember trying to turn on ESPN is like they nothing to talk about, like whatsoever for like eight months and, and movie channel stuff like that. And obviously, you know, we we had our struggles as a movie channel because there wasn't a lot of new movies. But for whatever reason, the community kept coming together. You guys kept coming back and we we made it through the pandemic. And the last month or two have been like the most successful uh, months or a couple of months that we've had in a couple of years. I mean, at least since pre-pandemic era. And even the best December we've ever had, like pandemic era or not, 
And so I just wanted to say thank you to all you guys for helping us get there. Obviously, we've made some changes. We always make changes around here, but with uh, you know Ray and Kim being in here, I've loved having Ray and Kim in here, um, and that's been great moving into studio and stuff like that, and and just ah so much to be thankful for. But you know what, guys, we're going to spend most of our day today. Uh, just taking the stuff from you and you guys want to talk about. So we're going to do two different things. I'm going to start by getting caught up on all the uh, tip questions you guys have sent in via the tip link down below. And then we're going to spend the remainder of our day going over and taking your live comments that you guys are firing in to the super chat in the, uh, in the YouTube live chat feature there. So hello to everybody in there and we'll get around to everything. And so let's just bunker down and start getting caught up here. Shall we? Let's see if I got myself on screen here. I don't have myself on screen, but I will in a second. There I am. Okay. Let's get things started here. We're going to start with your name, and I'm just going to get this lined up right. Okay, your name writes. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from from Hawkeye, uh, which makes me want a Kate and Yelena spinoff comic, uh, is stop making me like you, uh, Yelena. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Now, look, I didn't like the finale of Hawkeye, right? And, and overall, I was kind of disappointed with the show. But it had its moments, and it even had some what I would consider good episodes. And even in that last episode, which I did not like the last episode, it had its moments. And that line, stop making me like you. I can't help it. I like that as well. And I would totally be down for a Kate Bishop and Yelena show. I'd totally be down for it. Uh, much more than an Echo show. Much more than I'd be down for an Echo show. All right, Jay Bling writes, um, I thought the action of the Matrix Resurrections was the weakest of the franchise. I agree. Because aside from the requisite effect shots and slow-mo bits, the franchise is known for the sequences suffer from shaky cam and quick cutting. Yeah, I didn't think they were bad. Like, I didn't think the action sequences were bad. Particularly, there's this one big fight sequence in a warehouse that I actually thought was pretty good. I didn't think they were bad, but I do agree with you, Jabling. I think they were the weakest of the franchise. Nosferatu writes, I hope you and the Campia clan have a Merry Christmas. Love all that you do. Thank you so much, Nosferatu. And uh, again, like I said, Ann and I were like, what are we doing for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? Well, I think we're going to watch Spider-Man No Way Home again. And then I think we're going to go see the tragedy of Macbeth, the new Denzel Washington one on Christmas Day. So that's, that's what me and Ann want to do. All right, thanks a lot. All right, Scott Brown writes, um, Matthew Vaughn doing a man of steel two, I would be, I would be for, but like you have concerns about his comments. Let me try this again. But like you, I have concerns about his comments, especially his wonder woman comment. If he's talking about wonder woman 84, then hell no, I don't want to go back to that cheesy overacting, silly, goofy garbage. You know what? Here's the thing. I didn't think wonder woman 84 was as bad as some people make it out to be. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It would, it, it wasn't good. I mean, wonder woman 84 was not good. Don't get me wrong, but it, it had a, a decent amount of upside. It did. There was some pretty decent things in there, but yeah, I, as somebody who really loved the first Wonder Woman movie, I was, I was pretty disappointed about that. And yes, while I would totally be down for Matthew Vaughn doing a Superman movie with Henry Cavill, there were some things in his comments there that yes, did. I mean, we talked about it yesterday that made me, you know, a little bit, it's a little bit uneasy. All right. Uh, let's see here. Jonas A writes. Hey guys, always a blast to see the show. Thank you so much, Jonas. I do totally agree with you, John, on Hawkeye season finale and Kingpin. But the most important question, perhaps, for future discussions, is Hawkeye a Christmas show? You know what? Here's the thing. I have no problems with somebody considering Hawkeye a Christmas show. 
I have no problems with that. Like the whole, like there's so much of it is themed of Christmas. The whole idea that he's trying, you know, first of all, he's in New York in the beginning with Christmas. He's trying to get back to his family for Christmas. The whole themes of family and togetherness. Like it was very thematically Christmas. There are many things in the show that weren't, but there was a good chunk of the show that was very thematically Christmas. Unlike Die Hard, which is not a Christmas movie. Just just gonna just to get that debate going again here on a Christmas Eve. All right, thanks for that, Jonas. Next up, Jay Bird writes. Hey, John and crew, uh, never write in, but I wanted to chime in concerning Disney plus Hawkeye. Everyone always complains about the MCU not being comic accurate, but when they when but when they do it, it becomes an issue. Kingpin Hawaiian shirt is comic accurate. Keep bringing on the filthy. Yeah, true. First of all, you never hear me complain about comic book movies not being comic book accurate because I don't care. The comics are the comics and I adore them for what they are. But the live screen adaptations, be they Disney Plus or be they in the movie screen, those aren't the comics. These are different things, and they need to be adapted. So you will never hear me complain about comic accuracy. Because you know what I always say, right? The number one job of a filmmaker is not to be as true as possible to the source material. The number one job is to make the best movie or TV show possible. And I don't mind... That Kingpin is wearing a Hawaiian shirt. But that's just another indicator to me that it ain't the same Kingpin that was in Daredevil. Because that Kingpin don't wear Hawaiian shirts. Maybe the comic book one does, and that's fine. I have no problem that this Kingpin is a different Kingpin than he was in the Netflix show. I'm totally fine with that. No problems for me, no issues with me. It's just a matter of, they made it pretty clear this, this ain't the same Kingpin from the, uh, uh, it ain't the same Kingpin from, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the, uh, uh, from the Daredevil series. Yeah, that's, that's just my take on it at any rate. All right, next up. Uh, let's see, Garden Variety Bag- Vagabond writes, John, will the movie, will the move of John Wick 4 to 2023 impact the 2022, the Continental TV miniseries scheduled for 2022? That's a very good question because a lot of people forget that we do have like this, the Continental, a series based on the hotel, which I've been fascinated with ever since the first John Wick film. Will this have any impact on that? That is a great question. I'm going to guess the answer to that is no. But at the same time, uh, Garden, I wouldn't be surprised at all if at some point we hear that the Continental gets bumped because maybe it's supposed to coincide some way, shape, or form with the release of John Wick 4. Just don't know. Right now, I haven't heard about it moving, but maybe it will at some point. All right, next up. Uh, Another Marvel podcast writes, do you think we should call Hawkeye's Fisk clown pin happy holidays to all of you you know what here's the funny thing about about kingpin in that i don't actually think i only dislike the kingpin we got in hawkeye when comparing it to the kingpin we get in daredevil if it wasn't for the daredevil series i would have looked at this kingpin and thought oh this is a perfectly adequate representation of kingpin yeah I would have thought it was a perfectly acceptable representation of Kingpin. Perfectly fine. It's only when we compare him to the amazing Kingpin that we had in Daredevil that um, that we start to feel very dissatisfied with it. You know what I mean? And that's under because the Kingpin we got in Daredevil was vastly inferior to the Kingpin we got in, in or sorry, the Kingpin we got in Daredevil was vastly superior to the one we got in Hawkeye. At any rate, all right. Uh, let's see here. Garden Variety Vagabond writes. 
John, on the superhuman archery, uh, which cannot be done, what the video sh- what the video which shows many of the things Hawkeye does being done, jumping and firing um, for an aircraft, shooting through a keyhole. Uh, he actually is that good. I don't know what we're talking about at this point. If you're talking about the guy who is like uh, doing stuff like that before, yeah, but there are literally supernatural things that basically get done in the thing that no human being can do. Yeah, there are a couple of them that could maybe realistically be done and I'm sure have been done, but there are also some things throughout the movies and everything that Hawkeye pulls off that just could not be done. All right, next up. Another Marvel podcast writes, do you think that the Echo series is secretly a Daredevil soft reboot show? I've been asked that about 50 times now. I know there are rumors of the Daredevil cast returning for that series. I mean, before watching Hawkeye, I would have said absolutely no. But after watching Hawkeye and seeing how kind of empty this Echo character, I I haven't talked to anybody yet. I'm not saying they're not out there. I'm just saying I personally haven't talked to anybody yet that is saying, wow, I can't wait for the Echo series now. Like, I just haven't. So before Hawkeye came out, I thought, no, 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 no. It's not that. But after seeing Hawkeye, I'm like, I don't know anybody that's really looking forward to an Echo show. So I don't know. Maybe it could be for something else. Who knows? Uh, Now I have to kind of reconsider that. Maybe it is. We'll see. All right. Next up, Garden Variety Vagabond writes, uh, Old Man Roger should definitely be in the end credits of the Rogers the Musical. The play ends and he walks away saying, that guy, Ant-Man, was never there. I mean, that would have been great. Like, so what we were talking about the other day was... um, that I have no problem that they went ahead and did Rogers the musical and and wanted to give us a a big fuller clip of Rogers the musical. That's great. I just didn't think it should have been the end credit scene of the series. I think that left a lot of people dissatisfied. What they could have done if they wanted to show the Rogers the musical clip and make it a true post-credit scene, then at the Near the end of the clip, the camera should have panned around so we could see the faces of the audience and then started to zoom in and in the back is old man Rogers, right? I think that would have been great. And yes, if he walked down and said, Ant-Man wasn't even there, that would have been great. Or if he's walking out and you could hear him humming the tune to himself, I can do this all day. Like one of those two, if they had done that, it would have been a great, great post-credit scene. I would have loved it. All right, Uh, let's see. Next up. Where are we at here? We're at some old guy in Hawaii who writes, uh, Hawkeye portrayal aside, D'Onofrio's Kingpin may be the best villain the MCU has shown us so far. Hawkeye portrayal aside, D'Onofrio's Kingpin. Yes, I I agree. Listen, I, I've talked about this before. There, there are many fantastic performances, right? Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda, right? Fantastic. Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, fantastic. Uh, um, Benedict as Doctor Strange, fantastic. Tom Holland as Spider-Man, fantastic. But there's only a very small group of performers in the comic book movie realm that I would say were like born to play that role. I've only got four, maybe five. I think it's four. It is, in no particular order. Uh, Ryan Reynolds playing Deadpool. Uh, Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine, 
Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man and Vincent D'Onofrio playing Kingpin. I mean, I, I, that's how good I think he is as that Kingpin. So here's hoping they, uh, they do better moving forward. All right, next up, Dangerous D writes, uh, hi, John. I was watching Saturday Night Live clips on YouTube and saw Coffee Talk with Linda Richmond. Mike Myers was funny as Linda saying, I'm be becoming verklempt. Yeah, I used to love that series that he did. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Here's a topic. A chicken is neither a chick nor a pea, or a chickpea is neither a chick nor a pea. Is there uh, news on an Austin Powers sequel? By the way, I did. I used to love that, that Coffee Talk with Mike Myers. I thought that was great. Anyway. There was about a year ago some whispers about Mike Myers maybe looking at doing another Austin Powers because I think a studio would greenlight it in a second. I think if Mike Myers wanted to do another Austin Powers, it would get greenlit. Either by a big theatrical studio and if not, the streaming networks would line up to make offers to get that. So I heard some whispers about it. Unfortunately, nothing definitive, but I would love to see another Austin Powers. All right. Wes, Wes Meyer writes, Hey, John, damn, that's a sweet Venom Christmas sweater. Where do I get one of those? I don't know, Ray. So I, the last couple of days I wore the Venom Christmas sweater. And then yesterday, of course, I had the Christmas sweater. Ray and Kim, we were all decked out in our Christmas stuff. I don't know where it came from. All I know is that Anne got it for me because uh, I have the most awesome wife in the world. So Anne got that for me, and I do love that sweater, man. I got to say, it's probably my favorite Christmas sweater I've ever had. All right, next up, the Sock writes, I used to not like alcohol myself either, but I realized I just like the sweeter stuff, which is most whiskeys and cocktails. I'd recommend Jim Beam, Black Stag, and for cocktails, I'd recommend a liquid marijuana, unless you don't like coconut. I, I don't like co coconut. Um... I don't like coconut very much at all, actually, but uh, <laughs> I, I just looked over, asshole. Harloff's in the live chat. And Merry Christmas to you, you freaking asshole. By the way, you got to get your family over here, man. We haven't, we still haven't had your family over. Uh, so, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the founder and creator of the Schmodown, Christian Harloff, is in the live chat there. Everybody say hello and Merry Christmas to Christian, dude. Seriously, best to your family, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Um, so, where were we at again? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's the taste of alcohol itself. It's the taste of alcohol itself. By the way, I just want to point something out again, going back to the Harloff thing. When I drop in on Harloff's live streams and I decide to throw in a super chat, I throw in like a $20 super chat. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not calling Harloff cheap for coming into my super chat and dropping a $2 super chat. I'm not saying that at all. Not in, not in the slightest bit. I'm just saying that when I pop into Harloff's Super Chat and I pop into his live stream, I'm dropping like a 20. That's all, uh, uh, nothing else. Nothing else. Christmas spirit, everybody. Christmas spirit. <laughs> okay, anyway, let's keep going. Um, uh, where are we at here? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's just the taste of alcohol. I just don't like the, 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 the flavor of alcohol. Now, you're right. When I can stomach drinking some stuff sometimes, um, it will be the sweeter stuff. Like, um, what's the name of the, the wine that I'll drink now and again? I can't even remember the name of the wine that I drank. It's like a sparkling red wine. Most people don't even consider it real wine. But anyway, I can't remember the name of it. Um, and then I will have sometimes like a Smirnoff Ice. Yeah, I'm a real manly drinker. Uh, a Smirnoff ice, maybe a amaretto sour. 
but it's so rare. It, it's just that I don't like that. As soon as I taste alcohol in something, I just, ugh, ugh. I, I wish I could. And then beer. Oh, don't even get me started on beer. Beer is such dirty water swill. I hate the taste of beer so much. And that's why people look at me and go, are you sure you're Canadian? Not liking beer? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Uh, next up. Let's go on here. Uh, Dundee writes, Hey, John, my favorite actress is uh, Radha Mitchell. I've liked her since Pitch Black, uh, but she was great in Man Man on Fire, Silent Hill, and The Crazies remake. Any role of her stick out to you? Thanks. Honestly, I can't even remember her off the top of my head. I can't even remember her off the top of my head. Let me see if I can look her up here. Give me one second. So I'm going to look up um, Radha. And what's her last name? Mitchell. Uh, let's see. What has she been in? Because like I said, I'm, I'm not really familiar with her very much. So her face looks familiar, but she's been in Black uh, Man on Fire. Ro- oh, I did like Rogue. I did like Rogue. I still don't remember her very much for her. That's, you know what? I like coming across these actors that we like, but like nobody knows their names. Like we've seen their faces a hundred times, but we don't know her names. I've never known her name. So no, I can't say honestly that any of her stuff stands out to me off the top of my head because I... <laughs> I, <laughs> I just look harloff and just sent in 20 bucks now it's 22 bucks tic tag all right yes there you go you got me now christian um anyway by the way a big big thing for you you guys should go check out on on the schmodown channel is the fact that just recently uh the the schmodown got to st- have its first big live event again for the first time in a long time and it was a huge success for those guys so if you haven't checked out any of that you should over head over to the Smodown channel and check out the the amazing success they had with their big first live event back that they had just a little bit ago and you should go check that out anyway all right sorry i uh, uh anyway dundee yes sorry i got sidetracked there dundee um I, yeah, so there's a number of actors that I always see that happen, and I like that you are a fan, and you've actually got the name there. I'll keep my eye open for that name now. Moving forward, Dundee, thanks for that. All right, next up, Jonathan writes, uh, The Office's Matrix prank was a better Matrix sequel than the actual sequel. Just saying. Matrix Resurrection was confusing as hell and boring at times. Grade D, only because Keanu is still cool. Yeah, look, and again, I, I bashed on matrix pretty matrix four pretty hard i don't think it's i mean i don't think it's like one of the top five worst films of the year i do think there were some good things about it like i said i thought the warehouse fight scene was actually pretty good some of the action sequences were pretty decent it's always great to see keanu and carrie ann moss uh back again in those roles i thought um i thought the supporting cast was pretty good i mean there were more there were moments but yeah, overall, I got to say, I, I kind of agree with you. I was pretty disappointed with it. All right. Arch Rival writes, uh, hey, John, uh, where are we at? There it is. Hey, John, Merry Christmas. Had mixed feelings about Hawkeye like yourself, but thought Pew was fantastic. Yeah, she was great. I liked her in that. Uh, and is going to be a big star. Already has the acting chops. Marvel should hire the best talent for her to star in movies before other studios snap her up. Well, I mean, look, it's. This isn't like professional sports, right? It's not like, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Tom Brady and that means nobody else can can have him. That's not what the movie's like. You can sign up for any number of projects from any studio. It it doesn't really matter. So it's not like you have to lock her up because what are you going to do? You're not going to, you know, have her make four Yelena projects a year, right? 
Like an actor or actress, there is time for them to literally do four legitimate size projects a year. Considering on average, an actor or actress is on set for a movie for about two months. On average, there are longer ones, there are shorter ones, but on average, you're talking about two, maybe to three months. With that, if an actor wanted to stay busy, an actor could do four movies a year. So you don't need to, to, to lock her up or anything. I'm sure they've got her under contract to play Yelena X number of times if they want her to do it. So we'll, we'll, they just need to take their time with it. Take the time. But I did like her very, very much. All right. Next up. Sons of Bro leader writes, Hey, John, happy holidays. I haven't been able to stop thinking about Bro. Since the last show, we should all patch into Agents of Bro. Uh, the show sounds amazing. I need a bro. A brilliant idea. Uh, thanks for all the content and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So for those of you who didn't see the show yesterday, we were talking about, you know what? As much as I hated the Tracksuit Mafia when the show started out, I actually started to find myself being pretty, pretty let me try this again, pretty entertained by them. The problem with them was that you either show them as a lovable kind of misfit heart in the right place, but you know, trying to be gay, or are they actually a legitimate evil and threatening street gang? Unfortunately, Hawkeye tried to bounce back and forth. And so you never knew how to take them, but I, somebody brought up on the show that I would be totally down for a, tracksuit mafia disney plus show where it's the tracksuit mafia reevaluating themselves after the events of hawkeye and deciding you know what we're going to be we're going to be people that help this city we're going to be a gang that helps the city and they come across another lower level threat that they have to get and you call it you just call the show bro the bro show and the theme song is the overused song i need a hero i need a hero but you change the song to i need a hear bro I need a hear, bro. And that's the song. And there, we wrote the show for you. Everybody go and do it. All right. Next up, Ben Burnside writes, Hey, John, at 27 years of age, I'm finally starting to get into Star Trek, particularly Next Generation. Love Next Generation. Uh, I saw the two episodes that Spock was featured in, and I think one of the coolest interactions I've ever seen of characters was between him and Dat, uh, Data. Both are obviously highly intelligent, super strong, and deadpan personality-wise, but really they couldn't be more opposites in terms of what they want to achieve. True, Spock wants to escape his emotions, his emotional human aspects in order to become... Uh, the perfect Vulcan, while Data, an android, has been given the design of a perfect Vulcan should be, but as it turns out, Data always strives to be more human instead. Uh, they have polar opposite goals. It's unfortunate they only shared one scene. But it, but it was all that was needed, right? It was all that was needed. That was the scene. Any more than that just would have been dragging out, and it was great. I love those episodes, on Star Trek Next Generation. I thought that was great as, as Spock was striving for reunification between the Romulans and the Vulcans. And now as it we're into Star Trek Discovery, we see that the work that Spock started came to fruition because in Star Trek Discovery, the Vulcans and the Romulans, I think that they now call themselves Navarre. They are now a united people all because of those episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation that started that process. And that was a, a really significant set of episodes, I think. Anyway, all right, next up. Um, Mike, <laughs> by the way, uh, uh, Tharuka Eparchachi 
uh, writes in the the live chat saying, should do John Campius pitch meeting. I know. I should just sit here and pitch shows all day. I need a here, bro. I just sit there and just pitch these shows all day. And Marvel can just start sending me actual real checks. All right, next up. Uh, Mike Thompson writes, why is it that when Battlestar got punched across a room... Oh, okay, sorry. I thought we were talking about Battlestar Galactica for a second. Why is it that when Battlestar got punched across a room by a super strong person just once, he died? But when Kate Bishop gets punched across a room by a super strong person several times, she's completely fine. In pro wrestling terms, she no-sold no it. Oh, no, dude, listen. I know we're talking about a comic book movie and everything, but you got to have some of what Robert Meyer Burnett would refer to as verisimilitude. Like, if there was a human being that had the type of power that when you got hit by them, it would literally send you sailing 20 feet across a room through the air. The kind of impact that would take would instantly shatter all of your ribs. I mean, all your ribs, some of your internal organs would be damaged, all that kind of stuff. You'd be in very, very bad shape. In the Hawkeye finale, Kingpin does that to Kate Bishop several times, but she's perfectly fine. She's got a little, little scratch on her chinny chin, little scratch and maybe a little scuff up here. But yeah, then she's talking to her mom as her mom says, is that what heroes do? Arrest their mothers at Christmas time. And she's sitting there talking to her mom. She's perfectly fine. I'm like, listen, she got hit by the equivalent of a bus hitting her and she's just perfectly fine. Like have her getting into an ambulance or something. I don't know. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, Brandon Robinson writes, Hey John, uh, with your recent talk of Shang-Chi having the best martial arts in a film since the raid, I was wondering if you've seen, uh, the Ruoni, uh, Kenshin film series. Uh, I don't know if, uh, sword fighting is considered martial arts, but it has fantastic choreography. I may have seen it and just known it by a different, by a different set of words. Um, I guess what I should specify, of course, sword play, just like any other weaponry, whether you're using um, nunchucks or somebody comes out using size or whatever, it's martial arts. I guess I should have specified that like the, the pure hand-to-hand -hand combat martial arts, right? And now again, some people misinterpreted me when I came out of Shang-Chi and I said, that's the best martial arts I've seen in a movie since the raid. People misunderstood, even though it's pretty clear, but a lot of people misunderstood what I was saying. They're saying, you're saying that the martial arts of Shang-Chi was as good as the raid? I'm like, no. I said it's the best martial arts I've seen on screen since the raid. The raid's martial arts is better than the martial arts in Shang-Chi. I'm saying I haven't seen any as good since the raid. I, that, that, that's what I meant by that, but a lot of people misunderstood me. Just like when I said, to me, Shang-Chi was the best comic book movie I've seen since Logan. And people say, well, you're saying it's as good as Logan? No. I said it's the best one I've seen since Logan. So, yeah, a lot of people misunderstood that. All right. Chuck the Mystery writes, Hey, John, tech question. I love tech questions. I've always been a name, uh, or sorry, I've always been a Mac user. Um, but, as, but as I know, you are a PC guy. Oh, I have a number of Macs. I have a number of Macs. My main desktop computer is a PC. But my laptop is a Mac. Uh, my tablet is an iPad and right now even my phone is an iPhone, even though I'm more of an Android guy, but, but right now my phone's an iPhone I've used, I've had many, many Macs over the year. Anyway, 
Uh, if I were going to buy a top-of-the-line PC specifically for video editing purposes, what elements are most crucial? CPU speed, amount of RAM, type of video card, etc. There are different there are different opinions on this, but here's kind of my thought on it. If you're specifically looking at video editing, um, yeah, you want a good, I would suggest at least a good eight core processor. It doesn't matter if it's AMD or Intel. Uh, you know, you get an i9 eight core. I think they even have an i7 model that has an eight core. Uh, you can get one of the, the Ryzen uh, AMDs with eight cores. I currently have a 16 core processor, but you don't necessarily need a, a 16 core. But a, I would say get a good eight core processor. Uh, i9 if you're going Intel and then Ryzen if you're going with uh, with AMD. I'd say 16 gigs of RAM, you're okay. Really, I think the starting point today should be about 32. I right now have 64, but I 32, you're good. But yeah, video card, especially when it comes to your rendering. Because in most good video editors, you can tell the software when you're going to render, what do you want to use to render? Do you want to use the CPU power to render or do you want to use your GPU to render? And it will go a hell of a lot faster when you're using your GPU to render. So that becomes a big thing too. So it's all a bit of a balance, but I think if you can get a decent, like a modern video card, like even a 3060 or 3070, um, and if you can get an eight core processor, preferably i9, if you're on the Intel side, you know, the, the right, I think it's the 5950X. No, I have the 5950X, which is the 16 core, but you can get the, an eight core one. I think if you have 32 gigs of RAM, an eight core processor, and like a 3060 or 3070 video card, you're only going to be paying around two grand for that. I think you'll probably come in around two grand, which I mean, for a video editor machine, that's going to be very, very good for you. That DaVinci Resolve or Premiere Pro will both just sing on. I'd say, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say going for that. All right. Uh, anyway, I love tech questions. Thanks for asking, Chuck. All right, next up, Chuck the Mystery also writes, as someone who up until 2020 saw between 75 and 100 films per year in the theater, in 2021, I saw only 17 in theaters and dozens more on streaming. But as you always say, it's not the same thing sitting on the same couch I sat on yesterday uh, watching from home. My first film back in theaters was Fast 9, and we all know how that went. Uh, but I really think it's the worst film I saw in theaters this year that was Snake Eyes. Andrew Koji was fantastic in it, uh, was fantastic in it though. Spider-Man was the best experience I've had in a long time and uh, had a technical issue, so I'm not sure if this went through the first time. Being the Ricardos was fantastic. I loved being the Ricardos. I thought that was so good. J.K. Simmons was genius as, as uh, Frawley. The conversation he had in the bar with, uh, with Nicole Kidman as Lucy just showed the dialogue power of Sorkin. Wow. Okay, first of all, lot there to unpack, Chuck the Mystery. Lot there to unpack. Um, I agree. I think... Bruh. Yeah, I think Snake Eyes might have been my worst in-theater experience this year, too. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, it, it was pretty disappointing. And I was really excited about that. I was excited about that movie. Some great ones, though. Being the Ricardos was a fun time at the movies. I still think pretty easily right now, although I still have not seen Licorice Pizza. All right? So that's, that's the thing. I still got to see Licorice Pizza. But that being said, right now for me, easily the best film of the year is West Side Story. And I've spent the last year and a half talking about how I'm not even excited for that movie. 
I, I just, even though it's Steven Spielberg, the guy I think is the best filmmaker of all time, he is the goat of goats, but I, I just didn't have a lot of interest in it. And so I went to go see it blown away. If there's any doubt, he's the greatest director of all time. This kind of puts that argument to bed. Uh, that, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home was such a fun experience in the movie theaters as well. Uh, Shang-Chi, for me, uh, uh, one of my favorite films of the year, my favorite comic book movie film of the year, and yes, I do have Shang-Chi over Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, just, yeah, we didn't get to have nearly as many in-theater experiences this year as obviously we did back in 2019, 2018, but had some pretty damn good ones, right? We had some pretty damn good ones, and I'm glad you had some good ones too, Chuck. All right, next up. Uh, Aiden Foley writes, Hey, John and crew, I just want to say thank you for all the effort you go through to bring us the news of everything movie and movie related. I get so much entertainment from your show, even on some bad days as a poor 19-year-old college student. Love you. Well, thanks so much, man. Listen, it's, it is honestly, I always want the film fan community to have a sports center for film fans and for on-screen entertainment fans. And it's just kind of my way to contribute. And thank you guys for being here and being a part of it. Thank you, Aiden, for being a part of it. And, um, you know, uh, we, we put all this effort into it. Look, I could just turn on one camera and sit here and talk. But we always try, sometimes fail, but we always try to give you guys the best viewing experience that we can. So, you know, we... we we spend a lot of time, energy, money, effort into trying to give you the best sound that we can, the best lighting that we can, the best images that we can, the best production value that we can, the best information that we can. We do everything that we can to give you guys as good of a viewing experience as possible. And uh, you guys have just been so good to us during the pandemic, before the pandemic. You know, we every day, like me, Ray Kim, will talk about we owe our viewers, the best possible experience we can give. And so we try our best. We don't always succeed. We're aware of that. We don't always succeed, but, but we do try our best. So thank you so much for that, Aiden. We really appreciate that dude. All right. Next up, Russell Amador writes, Hey John, figured to say happy holidays to all the community out there. Uh, one more thing on Zod returning. This is going to be amazing. He is easily my favorite DC villain to date behind Joker. His final speech before battling Superman was epic. I listen, we talked about that the other day. For those of you guys who missed that little piece of news, um, it's exciting for me to see that Warner brothers has now officially put on their website that Michael Shannon is going to be in the flash as well as the actress who plays, uh, Feora. So we're getting General Zod and Feora in the Flash, which to me is super exciting because honestly, I'm not saying he's the best comic book movie villain ever. I'm not saying that. But in discussing the best villains we've had in comic book films, I think Michael Shannon's General Zod from Man of Steel has to be in the conversation. Has to be in the conversation. It's, it's just one of the most beautifully written at the end of the day, he's a villain who truly believes he is doing right. Long before there was Thanos, he truly believed he was doing what was right. The only thing that motivated General Zod of Krypton was saving his people. That's all he cared about. 
He cared about it more than himself. He cared about it more than whatever his own ambitions were. All he cared about was trying to save his people. And he saw Superman as the ultimate villain. Kal-El is trying to stop the salvation of Krypton. And, and you've got to understand, it's weird. It's very rare that a movie can really let you see it from that perspective, that from the villain's eyes, the hero is actually the most evil of villains, right? And there's something special that happens in storytelling when you can pull that off. And yes, I am very, very excited about that. And also excited that that may increase the chances a little bit that Henry, Henry Cavill will pop up in Flash too. We don't know that. I'm just, I'm just guessing, just guessing. All right, check the mystery rights. I had asked you some months back if you thought Keaton might be uh, might be Batgirl's version of Batman, and now we've had it confirmed. I do think he is now going to be the Batman of the mainline DCEU, in essence replacing Ben Affleck. I was still hoping for a Ben return. See, I I mean, you're right. I mean, him popping up in Batgirl, and for those of you who missed the news yesterday, Michael Keaton is going to be appearing in the Batgirl movie on HBO Max. Which begs the question, is he now the DCEU's Batman? I, I still don't know about that, though, because the reality is Michael Keaton is 70, right? He's 70. Now, in the protege that I saw last year, he was damn good. Michael Keaton, as a 68, 69-year-old, doing the action scenes in the protege was still damn good. So I know he can still pull it off today. But can he be the Batman in the DCU for the next three or four years? I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll know a lot more, though, after we see The Flash. Then we'll feel pretty more secure about that, I think. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Nightman Cometh writes, Beginning to think the Echo Show is actually going to be a Daredevil reveal with revival, which, again, we've, we've had about 50 people write that in. Echo character so far can't carry a show on her own. The thought of blind and deaf heroes teaming up against kingpin intrigues me why else bring these netflix guys back i mean i i don't know but again before hawkeye and everybody's writing do you think echo is just a placeholder for actually that's something that's gonna be a different show i said no 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 they're not gonna do that but now after watching hawkeye and i mean who's interested in an echo show at this point i thought there was so much more they could have done with echo that would have made us all really excited to see an Echo show, but they didn't. They went a different way, and I, I just have no interest for an Echo show, and I, I get that feeling from a lot of people. So I don't know, man. We'll see, Nightman. We will see. All right. Carlos Sosa writes, Hey, I saw No Way Home three times now, the third in Dolby, and it was great. I can watch this movie all day, Captain America reference. My favorite scene is when they uh, trigger a uh, goblin in the apartment. It's so good. Uh uh, that's not my favorite scene even close. I won't say what my favorite scene is because it just reveals a little bit too much. Um, but that was a good scene. But I honestly, I wouldn't even put that. I wouldn't even put that scene in the top 10 of the movie for me personally. But that's one the one that worked for you, Carlos. And that's awesome. And I'm going to go see it today uh, a little bit later. All right. The last one we have from people who sent in on the tip link comes to us from Nightman Cometh who writes, not going to lie, multiverses are making my head hurt. Really curious where exactly does Morbius take place. Trailer has multiple Venom references, Sonyverse, but also has the Spidey murderer poster and Keaton MCU. It's complete madness, I tell you. Yeah, look, I this is one of the reasons why I don't like multiverse stuff. I think, also, honestly, I think multiverse stuff is lazy writing. It's lazy writing. I really do. I think creatively, multiverse stuff is lazy. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come up with great stuff, 
like Spider-Man No Way Home. It's great. I mean, it's 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 great. I love Spider-Man No Way Home. It's amazing. Uh, but I kind of feel the same way I do about multiverse stuff as I do about time travel stuff. Like time travel stuff, and I think is lazy. But there are a couple of time travel properties I think are awesome. Star Trek uh, 4, I think it's amazing. Obviously, Back to the Future. Like, there's some time travel stuff that is completely awesome. But I just find it kind of lazy. It's like, I can't come up with something creative. So, well, let's just say I could do absolutely anything I want. Okay, well, then anybody can do that. And it does start to become very convoluted and very messy. And that's why I don't think they're going to move, have like significant multiverse stuff after multiverse of madness. I've said for a long, long time, I think Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness is going to either like close multiverse altogether or very, very much limited. Like whatever the outcome of Dr. Strange two is, I think the, the outcome is going to be that it either finishes off multiverse or it at least to a degree massively massively limits what it is because this kind of bonkersness you can't go on and i think i think it'll get very tired very fast but right now it's it's pretty incredible but now we got like spider-man and dr strange 2 doing it then we got the flash doing it and it's like at some point they're gonna have to contain it but we'll see what they do with it all right um oh yes Okay, so that does it for all the questions that you guys sent in via the tip link. Now let's go over and start getting the questions you guys have been sending in via the Super Chat feature, uh, guys, you guys watching live. So give me a second to get this all set up, and I'll see if I can get this um, set up properly. Uh, let me see here. Mm. All right, I think we're all set and we're ready to go. Okay, let's now jump over to the live chat that you guys have been firing in since we started up today's show. And then we're going to take a break in about 10 minutes so I can uh, go refill my drink. So let's get on to it here. Uh, by the way, a couple of these super chats got sent in yesterday because we didn't get to finish off all the super chats that got sent in yesterday. So the first few we're reading here are leftovers from yesterday. So anyway, starting with Lou who writes, after what Ray said yesterday about uh, murder mystery movies, I hope he never serves on a jury. <laughs> yeah. So Ray was saying, yeah, I'm not very good with murder mystery movies because the first person I see, I'm like, okay, that guy did it. And then he just sticks with that. So you're right. It would be very bad for him to serve on a jury. Tim Platt writes, here's how every pitch meeting with the Wachowskis should go from now on. Wachowskis. Uh, well, here's the idea. Studio heads. No. Yeah. Yeah. I. Again, I'm as big of a fan as anybody of the first Matrix. And I'm even a bigger fan of the second Matrix than most people are. But the second and third Matrix movies were declines. And then since that time, I think they've made some of the worst stuff ever. And so I wasn't really excited for Matrix 4, but I still had hope because the trailers are fantastic. But yeah, I, 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 I just don't know that I would trust the Wachowskis on anything anymore. I, I just don't think I trust them anymore. But that that's just me. Here's hoping if they do something else, that'll be awesome and blow everybody away. All right, next up. Uh, a. Marcellus writes, no disrespect to Lana Wachowski, but the reason she made this movie was because uh, of her parents' deaths. She couldn't bring them back, but she could bring Neo and Trinity back. She was driven by emotions. Maybe, I mean, and, and look, ultimately, is there a, that's a good, uh, listen, there's something poetic and beautiful in that, in that being your motivation to create a story. There could be something very, very powerful in that. And I wouldn't, if that's, if what you're writing, Amar Sells, is true, I wouldn't shade uh, Wachowski for that whatsoever. I think like that kind of emotion can really, truly be a creative firestorm. 
to create something with that kind of a backing. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that as your starting point. It's, it's just, unfortunately, it didn't manifest the way I think a lot of us had hoped it would manifest. All right, thanks for sharing that, Amarcellus. Next up, Josie Reviews writes, so moral of the story for The Matrix 4, it's just a two, a two hour and a half R-rated version of Space Jam 2. I guess in a way it is. A, that's actually not a bad comparison, Josie. It's a little bit of Space Jam 2 in there. Uh, John Redcorn writes, Matrix sounds like Space Jam 2, so what's worse? Yeah, look, Space Jam 2 was worse. I would watch Matrix. If I had to choose to watch Matrix 4 or Space Jam 2 again today, I would choose Matrix 4. I, again, I think there are some pretty good redeeming moments about it. Overall, it's a disappointing bad film, but... Yeah, I would say it's better than uh, than Space Jam 2. That's the second Space Jam comparison we got. All right, Razzle Prime writes, so when comparing Resurrections to Wes Craven's new nightmare uh, meta approach, what do you think? I'm going to watch it on HBO Max a little later. Well, again, I don't want to go into... I don't want to go into too much. I mean, a lot of people obviously haven't watched Matrix 4 yet that are interested in it. But, I mean, literally, it, the the... <sighs> The meta-naval gazing they did in this movie in the first act of the film, it almost made me check out immediately. Like, it really was obnoxiously bad. Obnoxiously bad. And I, we went into it in more details on yesterday's show there, Razzle. But yeah, I, I, it, was, it was pretty awful. All right. Cable1915 writes, Are you guys uh, going to Sundance? I never go to Sundance. Uh, I'm going for the first time this year, and I'm super excited. Already got my uh, itinerary and tickets. Well, I hope you have a blast. Listen, everybody I know who goes to Sundance has an absolute incredible time. Absolute incredible time. I can't spend the money (laughs) to to travel there and get a hotel for that number of days and stuff like that. So I I have never gone to Sundance. Um, Plus, I mean, Sundance is really more of a celebration of um, of the independent films, of the smaller films and stuff like that. And that's great. Some of them are the best films of the year, which is absolutely great. But, you know, it's not stuff that has a lot of audience. And I need to be able to justify if I'm going to spend like $5,000 to have to book travel, get there, get accommodations, food, you know, transportation while I'm there, whatever else I have to spend there. I need to know that there's a big enough um I need to know that there's a big enough audience for the content that I would create there. And I, I just don't know that there is. I'm giving you a little bit of a behind-the-curtain look here, right? So whenever I'm, I'm looking at something that I need to invest money in to create content for, I have to ask myself, does the content I'll end up creating have the potential to have large enough viewership that it justifies the expense of creating that content? And if the answer is no, then I can't do that content. Like, I could justify, like, say, going to the Toronto Film Festival because the Toronto Film Festival will, like, play all the big movies, the movies that I know my audience is most interested in and will have very, very high potential for a lot of viewership. So maybe I could justify the travel expense for that. But for Sundance, I just don't think the content that I would create for Sundance would generate enough revenue to even come close to the expense it would cost me to create that content in the first place. Right. Um, so it becomes a little bit of, at that point I have to become a little bit of a penny counter. Uh, but yeah, so no, but everybody I know who goes to Sundance say they have a great time. They, everybody I know who goes says they have a wonderful time and I hope you have a wonderful time, Caleb. All right. Next up. 
Uh, Paths Unwritten writes, uh, John, John Wick 4 waiting a year is too late. Also, John, can't wait for that Top Gun sequel. They waited 35 years to make. Uh, let's uh, let old franchises die. No, but you're trying to compare the two situations and they're completely different, right? Top Gun is an iconic generational um, a title. Everybody knows Top Gun. Everybody's seen Top Gun right and it was a movie that came out whatever john wick let's face it the 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 biggest box office for john wick was like 300 million dollars john wick in as much as i absolutely droolingly love john wick it's not for everybody not everybody watches it right and keanu reeves is getting he's starting to get older and you need to capitalize on that. So these they're two very, very different things. So I don't think you can try to compare the situations. And yeah, I think they should. I mean, look, I said for a long time that I thought Top Gun Maverick was too little too late. And then they I can't remember if it was 13 or 18 minutes of it, but they showed us a bunch of it at CinemaCon. And I'm like, well, there, uh, forget it. This Everybody's going to love this movie. I cannot wait to see the full movie. But John Wick is a different franchise and it's a different it's appealing to different people and i believe it needs a cadence in how quickly it releases it doesn't have to be every year but i believe it's gonna hurt it literally pushing it off another year now it's not coming out till 2023 and i think that's gonna hurt it i still think it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be great i can't wait to watch it but i do think make delaying it another year is probably gonna hurt it a bit so anyway we'll see all right next next up uh, 27 poker rights. I just want to share this cursed, uh, epiphany with y'all matrix four and space jam Two have the same villain Warner brothers. That's true. I didn't even think about, I didn't even think about that comparison, but you're right. The villain is Warner brothers in both of them. I didn't even think about that 27 poker. All right. Caden stab writes, Donarfio confirmed he is the same kingpin and that he lost and that he lost the city when he was blipped. Uh, MCU direct report, that's big in my opinion. But the thing is, he's not the same kingpin. And he actually pointed, we pointed out his actual direct quote on the show yesterday. When he said, okay, obviously there are many things that don't connect. But emotionally, he said, and the way I played him, I wanted to play him as the same guy. But obviously there are things that don't connect. Look, the moment I, I simply ask anybody this. Think back to Kingpin and Daredevil. Would that Kingpin ever work with the tracksuit mafia? No. End of discussion. It's over. And as soon as as soon as D'Onofrio says, yeah, this is clearly a different Kingpin. He's much stronger. He can take physical damage that the other Kingpin couldn't. Okay, well, that ends the discussion. It's a different Kingpin. It's a different kingpin. The kingpin and daredevil could not grab a car door and rip the car door off. It's a different kingpin. The kingpin and daredevil could not take an arrow to the chest and just pull it out and not worry about it. It's a different dare. It's a different kingpin. The daredevil and ki- or the the kingpin and daredevil could not stand on top of an explosive device that d- destroys a store, and then just walk away. It's a different kingpin. And if you actually look at the words that that Vincent D'Onofrio said in that interview with TV line, he specifically said, look, there are clearly things that don't connect with the Daredevil King Kingpin. There are clear things that don't connect. But the way I played him and emotionally. So 
Yeah, and the very fact that we have now Mahershala Ali, who was Cottonmouth, is now in the MCU, means that Kevin Feige is not counting the, the Netflix stuff as canon. The very fact that he was going to have Colleen Wing from Iron Fist be in Shang-Chi until she decided to do Matrix instead, that showed he's clearly not considering uh, the Netflix stuff canon. So, I don't know, look, we'll see, we'll see. But I think, I personally think a lot of people are misinterpreting Vincent D'Onofrio's words uh, to say what they wanted to say. But look, I'm not willing to put money on that. I'm not planting a flag on that. We'll see what happens. But yeah, when I watch that and we understand, look, if you're watching, I don't know, Friends and say a Friends reunion and all of a sudden, I don't know, what's one of the names of one of the Friends characters? Uh, Joey. That's the one name I can remember. Oh, Chandler. I remember that one, too. I remember the name. Okay, so let's say Chandler, right? So let's say they do a another Friends episode, only Chandler has four arms. Well, that's not the same Chandler as the one from the previous Friends. Anyway, uh, whatever. Now it's all just semantics. We'll see. I'm not willing to plant a flag. I'm just saying, let's see. All right. Uh, Sam Sproul writes, uh, please just recast Batman in the DCEU. They probably will at some point. They probably will look. I still think there's a possibility that Michael Keaton is playing Thomas Wayne. I mean, nobody told me that. I, I'm, I'm not betting a single dollar on that. I'm just saying I think there's a possibility, a chance that he's playing Thomas Wayne, and maybe they will recast Batman at some point. Lord Genome writes, uh, would definitely uh, watch a Colleen show before Echo. Like Colleen Wing? Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of people would love to see... Um, I would love, I think a lot of people would love to see a Colleen Wing show. I know I totally would. Uh, Norwegian Kryptonian writes to me, the actors playing the Holy Trinity in the DC should be somewhat the same age. I just think it would work best that way. Merry Christmas, everyone. I, I don't think so. I really, I don't really think that's an issue or matter at all. It's whatever, as long as they tell good stories, that's all that matters. I don't think they need to be the same age. I don't think they need to look the same age. If they do, fine. If they don't, whatever. So I I, I got to disagree with you on that Norwegian. I mean, look, I, traditionally you could do it that way. And I certainly have no problem with them doing it that way. Great if they do it that way. But I don't think it's necessary. I think they could do a lot of interesting things depending on how they choose to tell their stories. But we'll see. All right. Chris Miner writes, uh, John and crew, uh, I just want to say, uh, to you all happy Festivus may the feasts of strength and, and st be strong and don't hold back your airing of the grievances. And now we will have the feats of strength. I, that's one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes of all time. Festivus for the rest of us is one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes of all time, and it should be a national holiday. All right. Mason Harris just sends in uh, a $5 super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, uh, Mason. By the way, we are now caught up to the super chats you guys have been sending in today. Uh, and we start now with the official friend zone who writes, Hey, John, do you have a favorite classic uh, Rankin and Bass stop motion Christmas movie? Mine might be the year without Santa Claus. They're so wholesome. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, Santa. I even love Rudolph's voice. That was a terrible imitation of the voice. It was a terrible thing. I take it back. It's horrible. But uh, the Frosty the Snowman one was also really good. But I think I got to go. I think I got to go Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I think that would be my favorite one. All right. Uh, James Welsh writes, HollywoodReporter.com says Marvel are looking to campaign No Way Home for Best Picture nomination and possibly Tom Holland hosting. Tom Holland hosting the Oscars? Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. Listen, every studio 
campaigns their movies for best picture. It's not new. They will, there will be a four-year consideration best picture blah, blah, on every one they put out this year. Now, maybe they might want to put a little bit of extra effort into that, but every studio will pick films that they want to campaign for best picture. Marvel has done it before. They'll do it again. It's a non-story, to be honest with you. It's a non-story. Now, the question is, would it actually get a nomination? It's in an era where you can have up to 10 Academy Award nominees for Best Picture. I I don't think it's out of the question. I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, personally, I don't even personally think Spider-Man No Way Home is the best comic book movie of the year. But in an era where you can have up to 10 nominees, it is not outside. of In, in an era that, that Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture, it's possible. It's totally possible. So uh, we'll see. But again, every studio campaigns films for their best and Marvel's no different. All right. Uh, Julia, Julian Mott writes, love the show, John. Merry Christmas. Go Bills. Oh, thank you so much, Julian. Appreciate that very much. And yeah, when I'm not cheering for the Patriots and now because Tom Brady's over at the Buccaneers cheering for the Buccaneers, I'm cheering for the Bills. I mean, they're, they stopped being my favorite team when the Bills ownership betrayed the fans um, when the Bills ownership completely betrayed the fans and, you know, pulled Doug Flutie, even though he was their absolute best chance to win, he was their starting quarterback, blah, blah, blah. I abandoned the Bills. I gave up on them, but they're still in my heart. And so, yeah, it, when I'm not cheering for the Patriots and then for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just because, you know, the goat is there now and Tom Brady, uh, my heart is always kind of pulling for the Bills. All right. Uh, next up, Mike Thompson writes, um, would you believe that I've never seen a single commercial for Zevia before? Uh, if not for this show, I'd I'd never know it existed. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Oh, no kidding. I had never heard of Zevia. I just had a friend recommend it. No one has ever heard of Zevia or Zevia. No one's ever heard of it until I started talking about it. Zevia, sponsor this show, you cheap sons of bitches. All right, next up. Uh, Tyler Pfeiffer writes, uh, where would you rank Adam Driver as one of the top current actors? Uh, he's got to be top five for me. He'll win multiple Oscars eventually. I wouldn't have him top five, but he's he's in the like really good category. Like, I would still put guys like Chiwetel Ejiofor, guys like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, guys like Jake Gyllenhaal, guys like Anthony Hopkins, guys like... Um, Robert De Niro, guys like, I mean, I, I could probably sit here if I wanted to rifle up and come, come up with probably about 10 to 12 to 13 other names before Adam Driver. But considering the hundreds of actors in the business, it, Adam is up there. I think Adam's very, very good. Do I see him as a multiple Oscar winner at some point? I don't know multiple, but I could believe him having an Oscar on his mantle at some point. Because I, I really do. When I see he's in something, I'm instantly interested because the dude is phenomenally talented. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, somebody's saying I missed something. Oh, somebody's Yes. Thank you guys in the live chat. You mentioned I, mi I missed uh, Mike Hill's question. Thank you guys in the live chat. Uh, Mike Hill writes, do you think the Monsters universe will still get off the ground or is it dead? I'm one of the few who really like Dracula untold. Well, look. They got a huge shot of life with Elizabeth Moss's The Invisible Man, right? That movie was awesome. 
and did great. So they are moving again. I, but they've got to learn from the mistakes they made from the last time around. They've got to learn from their mistakes the last time around and do it. But yes, we will see. I, I think that that movie gave them a huge shot of life. We do know they have already got a couple of other projects coming. So we'll see if they actually turn it into a shared monsters universe or if they just go with good individual films. We'll see. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Mighty Tank One who writes part one of two. The night before with Seth Rogen, I remember that movie. That was pretty good. With Seth Rogen, Anthony Mackie, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is my favorite holiday film of the last decade. It has lots of laughs and heart. Uh, feels like it doesn't come up in the conversation much. Happy anniver- or happy holidays, everyone. That's a good one. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The night before, you know, isn't a movie I think about every Christmas and I think about, ooh, I got to rewatch the night before. I, I don't really think of it that way. But it is a charming, delightful little film. It is a charming and delightful little movie. And it does it should be brought up a little bit more. Again, I don't think it's a classic or anything, but it should get a little bit more love. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up, Mighty Tank. Thanks for that, dude. All right, next up, uh, Daniel Fitzpatrick writes, Merry Christmas, John and crew. Thank you so much, Daniel. Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. Uh, Stefan DeLint Router sends in like, a $56 super chat. Thank you, Stefan, uh, for that. That's very generous of you. Thank you, dude. Especially on the holidays. Thank you so much. And he writes in, Happy holidays, John, Anne, Ray, Kimberly, and everyone watching. My favorite art form is animation. What's your favorite animated movie of 2021? Mine's Raya and the Last Dragon. I've seen it over a dozen times already, and I can't get enough of it. I really liked Raya and the Last Dragon. It was better than I thought it would be because... You know, I've been excited about Ryan the Last Dragon for years, ever since they they showed us a bunch of it at uh, D23 a couple of years ago. But then I got very nervous about it because there was a lot of behind-the-scenes turmoil. They fired the director and brought in a new director. They redid a lot of it. They changed some of the voice actors and changed up the story. So I did not know how well it would turn out. And I actually quite enjoyed it. I think it's really good. Now, guys in the live chat, help me with this. What year did Mitchell's versus the machines come out? I can't remember if it came out in late 2020 or if it came out in 2021. So I'll, I'll wait for you guys in the live chat to answer that question for me. When did Mitchell's versus the machines come out? Uh, Stefan is saying this year, Mike said, yeah, I might have to say that was my favorite animated movie this year. Thank you. Everybody in the live chat. Yeah. Everybody's confirming it came out this year. That I think that might be my, and I, that was a movie I was not paying attention to at all. Oh, there's some little low, cheap-looking animated Mitchells versus the Machines. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? And then Ann and I sat down and watched it one night, and we're like, damn, that's really good. I think Mitchells versus the Machines might be my favorite animated movie of the year, but it is not my favorite animated story of the year. Anybody want to guess what my favorite animated story of the year was? Like, if you're going to count the small screen and the big screen. And actually, uh, Farul already got, got it uh, in the live chat. Arcane. R. Effin Kane. Had no interest in that show. Had zero interest in that show. It's based on a video game. So, who the crap cares? A video game that doesn't even really have a story. Not really. Um, I actually, I have a friend of mine from Riot Games 
who's just like, it's like, man, it's funny that, you know, based on one of our games that doesn't even really have a story, is this the best thing? I mean, that's one of my friends from Riot Games who says that. But at any rate, I thought it was going to be crappy. And it is my number one all-time favorite animated series. I, I, I am still floored by how good that series is. Like, I, I cannot believe how good it is the Game of Thrones of animated series. And I mean that very literally. There's so many di- bits of connected tissue and comparisons to how they handle their characters, how they handle their narratives, all that kind of stuff. It is profoundly the best animated series I've ever seen. And so I'd say this year, my best overall animated project is Arcane. Specifically animated movie. I think Encanto comes in the conversation. Uh, Ryan the Last Dragon is definitely in the conversation, but I'd probably have to go Mitchells versus the Machines. It just had so much heart. It's kind of crazy. All right, but they're all great, man. Those are all great. Thanks for writing that in stuff and really appreciate it. All right, next up, we go to uh, Murtaranta, who writes, on a scale of one to 10, how disappointed are you that NHL players won't be going to the Olympics after all? Yeah, pretty disappointed, but I get it. Listen, health comes first. The NHL teams don't want their players traveling overseas and maybe getting COVID because that will then take them out of their lineups and all. I get it. Um, so I, I don't want to put a numerical value on my level of disappointment, um, but pretty disappointed. Yeah, I, I mean, I look forward to this so much. It, watching the, the hockey at the Olympics is my highlight, but yeah, pretty disappointed. But I understand it. Like, I get it. I do. I get it. All right. Alan Shorterer, who writes, Merry Christmas, John. Thank you, Alan. Merry Christmas to you. I think that Wong might die in Doctor Strange 2, so Strange can become the Sorcerer Supreme again by the end. What do you think? Nah. First of all, they're setting up Wong to play a pretty good broad scoping. All you got to do is look at Shang-Chi. They're setting up to play a pretty broad scoping role in the MCU moving forward, I think. Plus, you don't need him to die for the title to pass to somebody else. Right? You don't need Wong to die in order for that to happen. So if that was required, maybe. But no, I, I don't think... I mean, look, I'm not guaranteeing it. Of course, anybody could die in an MCU movie at any time. But my guess is, no, I don't I don't think they have... I think they have plans for Wong moving forward. He's just also becoming way too popular with the MCU audience. So we'll see. All right, next up. We've got uh, Mark Netto, who writes... Uh, Merry Christmas to the Campia family and crew from Brantford. Thank you so much. I love Brantford, by the way. I used to go out there to a place called Admiral Subs. And me and some buddies, maybe once a month or so, we would get in our car and drive out to Brantford because they had this little, like, greasy hole-in-the-wall place called Admiral Subs. But they had, like, the best burgers. They had like insanely good burgers, even though it's called Admiral Subs, but they also had burgers and they were some of the best we'd ever had. And we'd always go drive out there for that. Anyway, uh, I noticed that Ancaster is advertising theater X format now looks interesting. Yeah, I I'd heard about that, but I honestly don't know anything about theater X or what that is, because I obviously I don't have it right around where I live. So I'm not familiar with it. But, the, you know, the Ancaster Silver City is my favorite movie theater. At least it was for a very, very long time. So it'd be interesting to see what that is. All right. Vault of the Future writes one of two. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. When talking about Tom Holland being this generation's Harrison Ford, I was referring to his franchise potential. Since he's now Spidey and Nathan Drake, it seems 
like could be the face of a lot of major franchises moving forward, not comparing talent. Well, I mean, but even then the comparison, thanks for clarifying that, by the way, Vault, I appreciate that. The thing is, though, that, I mean, there's a lot of franchises, right? This Spider-Man franchise is not Star Wars and it's not Indiana Jones. Uncharted is not going to be as generational spanning popular as Star Wars or Indiana Jones, right? He literally, Harrison Ford is the face of two of the biggest, most important, most beloved franchise in history. And Tom Holland, who I think is, is awesome. I love Tom Holland and I think he's going to have a very great career moving forward. And I look forward to watching it very, very much. But Tom Holland's Spider-Man franchise isn't even the best Spider-Man franchise. I mean, that's to me, even with the bad Spider-Man three, I think that's still Sam Raimi's Spider-Man franchise. At least Spider-Man two is better than any of the Marvel Spider-Man movies as is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. But uh, so I know I'm not ready to say Tom, even on that level could be the next Harrison Ford, because I don't think he's yet been in a franchise um, and I'm not talking MCU franchise, but specific Spider-Man. I don't think he's been in a franchise yet that even compares to the two big Harrison Ford franchises. You got to at least get one of them first before that conversation comes up, I think, at any rate. But that's just my take. All right. Thank you for clarifying that, though, man. That makes it that now I understand what you were trying to say. Thank you for that. All right. Next up. Uh, Fanjecture. Right. So our friends over at Fanjecture, right? Uh, Merry Christmas to the whole John Campion Show team. Best wishes going into 2022. After seeing No Way Home, what is your current favorite, favorite solo MCU trilogy? Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, or Spider-Man? Uh, the Captain America franchise. Easy. While I would say Spider-Man No Way Home is... I remember, it's all subjective opinion. Spider-Man No Way Home is better than Captain America the First Avenger. I think Captain America First Avenger is a very underrated film, by the way. But I think Spider-Man No Way Home is better than Captain America the First Avenger. That said, I think the other two Captain America movies are better than all of the Marvel Spider-Man movies. I think Winter Soldier... Some people consider Winter Soldier to be the greatest comic book movie of all time. Uh, I don't personally, but there's a bunch of people who do. And Civil War. I think those are both, like... Honestly, out of all the ones you've mentioned, I think Civil War and Winter Soldier are better than any Iron Man movie, are better than any Thor movie, and are better than any Spider-Man movie. So for me and my own subjective opinion, that's an easy question. It's the Captain America trilogy. That to me is is the best quote unquote solo uh, trilogy in the MCU so far. All right. Uh, next up. We got the Canadian, our friend, the Canadian singing posty who sends in like a $20 super chat. Thank you. Canadian singing posty, uh, who writes in Merry Christmas to you, John and Ray, Kim, Aaron, and her family, the whole crew of the John campus show. I'm very proud to be part of this community. Merry Christmas. Uh, my Christmas tips are your tips. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. All by the way, for those of you who don't know, Canadian singing posty is very much exactly what his name is. He works for the postal service up in Canada and he is a remarkable singer. We've actually played a clip of him singing before on the show. You should go. I don't know if Canadian singing posty has an actual YouTube channel, but if he does, you should go look it up uh, because he's got like Broadway pipes. And it's a real joy to hear him sing. So anyway, thanks for sending that in, Canadian Singing Posty. All right, next up. 
Marie Seifring writes, Merry Christmas and a better new year to you, your crew, and the entire film fan community. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for that, Marie. And yeah, here's, uh, you know, here's the thing. We go back a year ago, think back to a year ago, and we're thinking about going into 2021. This is going to be the year we get everything behind us, right? And, and, and we certainly did get back to a much better sense of normalcy than we had in 2020, but here we still are. Right. And now we're, we're heading into 2022 with this Omicron thing. Like, I don't think the next movie I'm really super looking forward to, uh, coming up, what's supposed to be coming up pretty quickly is Morbius coming up in January. I got a feeling it's going to get delayed again. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but yes, Marie, absolutely from the heart. Here is to a better new year uh, moving forward. So thank you for the well wishes. All right, next up, uh, Phil Lem 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 Cool Lem Cool writes. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, Phil. Forgive me. Uh, Merry day before Christmas, John, Kim, Ray. I know they're not there today, and Anne as well as fellow fans of the John Campus Show. I'm just curious as. If there is going to be a Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler discussion part two. Yes. So here's the thing. We did our Spider-Man No Way Home open spoiler discussion on Sunday. This week has been insane. And I have simply not had the time to, because here's what happened. Even though our open spoiler discussion was three hours long, almost three hours long, I was not able to get through all the questions that got sent in. And we still have a lot of questions that got sent in, a lot of comments that got sent in that we haven't had a chance to do yet. The problem is it has been a ridiculously busy, you know, four and a half days since we did that, including a couple of days of having to wrap presents for our, we had to actually not even do a John Campus show one day because we were like spent a couple of days wrapping presents and delivering to our adoptive family, which hopefully you guys saw the video of, of the video you guys made possible for our adoptive family. If not, it's on the front page of the YouTube channel. Go and check it out. Um, there was that. And then there was a whole bunch of other stuff. Some stuff I've told you about some stuff I can't tell you about yet. And it was just been absolutely crazy. And then trying to get ready for Christmas. And I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. So yes. Now, but just so you know, the part two of that video is not going to be taking more questions. The part two and probably part three are just going to be getting caught up on the questions that got sent in. So has not been done yet. It is going to get done hopefully by the end of this weekend. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to take a lot of boxing day, which is Sunday. Um, to uh to get caught up on that so fingers crossed here we go yes i'm going to be spending some of my chris probably half of my christmas break still working uh but hopefully i'll get that to you guys as fast as i can but we are it has been a being christmas week it has just been nuts and the whole adopt a family thing took an entire two days out of my schedule and yeah so i apologize we haven't got it up there yet but it is coming it is coming all right uh next up uh, let's see where are we at Colby writes in no way. If no way home got an Oscar nomination, do you think it would win? Um, Oscar nomination for what? That's a huge Oscar nomination for visual effects or Oscar nomination for best picture. No way in hell does it get win best picture. It shouldn't win best picture and no way in hell that it does. Uh, but like if it gets nominated for like 
best visual effects, maybe like sound. It, it's got a shot at some of those other Oscars. Absolutely it does. But like it depends on which ones you're talking about. All right. Colby also writes, mom is going to be huge for Wanda's journey. Oh, multiverse of madness is going to be huge for Wanda's journey in the MCU. Probably is. Yeah. It's probably going to be pretty significant for her. Very, very significant for her. All right. Abraham Ruiz writes, happy holidays, John. Thank you so much. What are some of your favorite non-holiday movies to watch around this time of year? For me, it's the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Star Wars. See, here's the thing. Being Christmas time means it is a time when a lot of us are spending at home. It's the holidays and we can pop on our favorite things. And absolutely, Lord of the Rings. And one of the reasons it's Lord of the Rings is because, I mean, not going to be home for Christmas this year, but like my mom loves the Lord of the Rings films. So, you know, those would be on a lot, but that's definitely up there. Uh, the Star Wars. Yeah, it's just a good time to rewatch some of your favorite movies. So absolutely, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars come up on that list. That's a really good question, Abraham. All right. Next up. Uh, John Farag writes, Merry Christmas to the Campia team. Happy New Year. Please, John, no more Nickelback. Chef pleasures forever. Kimberly is the box office oracle. I listen. I'm never the one to bring up Nickelback. All right. It's always you guys bringing up Nickelback. I have nothing to do with it. The only thing I've ever said about Nickelback is they get unfairly criticized. They've made a, a number of big hits. They're nowhere. They're not a great band. They're not a great band. I just said they get unfairly beat on. So, and ever since I've said they people, they get un, an, un, an unfair rap. Ever since I said that, like people just keep sending in Nickelback stuff. So it has nothing to do with me, John. has nothing to do with me. All right. Jack Master Nord writes, I'm going to go see No Way Home in IMAX with laser tomorrow. Nice. I'm going to see it in a prime theater today. It's going to be my first time watching it in a prime theater. So I'm super excited to watch it in prime. All right. Uh, Enrique A writes, I've always wondered, John, do you have want kids? I do not have kids, but yes, Ann and I probably in the next couple of years are going to have kids. We've, we've wanted to wait. We've always planned to wait. We've always planned to wait until later. and But now we're getting close to that. So uh, we do not have kids, but we are going to have kids at some point. I'll let you guys know when. All right. Chris Donahue writes, John, I don't know how you don't. Let me try this. John, I don't know how you don't have more subs. You're such a quality creator and your co-hosts are amazing. I listen to your show every day. Well, listen, I know exactly why we don't have more subs. We make two to three hour long videos every day. I mean, look, I understand all the people at YouTube told me right from the beginning, the content that I want to make is never going to be hugely successful. And I've known that, but this is the content I want to create. And quite frankly, I never believed, I never thought that we would get 5 million views a month. Now, we're not averaging 5 million, but like this month has been a 5 million view month. Actually, I'm just going to double check something here. Let me just go over and double check to see what our last month has been. Oops, and I clicked on the wrong thing. So we have had how many in the past month? We've had 5.2 million views the last month. Now, now that's going to go down once we get into January and February and, you know, the holiday season's behind us and Spider-Man No Way Home's behind us and stuff like that. But, but honestly, I never would have dreamed that this channel would have 5 million views in a month. Never would have dreamed it. Like not in a million years. 
here we are. We don't do reaction videos, uh, which I have nothing against reaction videos or the wonderful YouTube creators who make them, like our friends over at Real Rejects and and uh, Day One and, and stuff like that. No, there are some fantastic creators out there who do wonderful reaction content. But I know that that's not me, and so I don't do it, even though I know those things can get a lot of quick subscribers and a lot of views and stuff like that. It's just not what I do, and so I don't do it. I know I could put the big googly red eyes and make a lot of hate videos and blah, 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 and I know that would bring in the subscribers and the views and stuff like that, but that's not what I want to do. So I have had YouTube consultants and my um, uh, MCN consultants and everything all lay out these big things to me about, John, here's what you need to do to grow the channel, blah, 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 and I just look at it and I go, no. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do those. Those just aren't me. Those are great, but it's not my realm of uh, expertise. Don't want to do that. No, I am perfectly happy doing what we're doing. I have a great time. I'm able to pay myself. I'm able to pay my staff. We're able to create a good community. I don't want to do all these things. It's funny because I do have an MCM, a multi-channel network that I belong to. And of course, I got my YouTube reps and they're constantly sending me this stuff. All these things you should do to grow the channel. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, not interested. Not what I want to do. So um, I appreciate you saying you don't know how we don't have more. I am astonished that we have as many as we do, <laughs> to be honest with you. I am absolutely floored and astonished that we have as many as we do. Um, and I'm always insanely grateful for it. Um, I, I, I just can't believe it. You know, when we were at our height at, uh, AMC and Collider, you got to remember in our height, when I was at AMC and Collider, I probably had 22, I think at the height, I had about 22 staff of full and part-time people, 22 staff this 10,000 square foot studio space, all this kind of stuff. And here I am today in a garage. I'm literally in a garage. This, this is a, uh, this is a converted garage, uh, with me, my brother-in-law and Kim, and we are getting half the monthly views that I used to get when I had 22 staff, 10,000 square foot, the backing of a major corporation behind us, whether it was AMC or whether it was uh, complex or whatever. And, and I'm pulling half the views with one thirtieth of the budget and one thirtieth of the, and one less than a 10th of the, the manpower and less. I mean, I I'm yeah, I am never ever anything less than absolutely astounded at, at, you know, what our, our community has done for us and, and helped our channel and just constantly being here and supporting the channel. I'm always amazed, but I appreciate the kind words, man, very much. I do. And, uh, listen, we've already done way more as a channel than I ever thought we would like we're, what do they call it now? Yeah. Now we're just into the bonus. Like I always thought if we could get to like 2 million views a month, that would be like the, th like when I started the John Campus show, like the dream was if I could start off with like maybe 50,000 views a month. And then if we could get up someday, someday, I remember Ann and I sitting down, we went out to dinner to have a whole strategy session about, you know, when I was going to leave Collider and I was going to start my own thing. And we said the big goal, the goal somewhere down the line would be like 
if we could imagine getting like 2 million views a month and we're already doubled that. And so we're, I'm super happy with where we're at. Very, very happy. I have no ambitions or aspirations of us being the biggest channel on YouTube. I have no ambitions or anything like that. I just love doing what I do every day. And I love the people I get to do it with. And I love the people I get to do it for. And so I'm, I'm pretty good with where we're at, but thank you for writing that in, man. I really appreciate that. Okay. Next up, Elizabeth Gerardo writes, uh, the, how to train your dragon score is so underrated. It really is good. It's magical. And so frustrating. It didn't win an Oscar. Yeah. But here's the thing. Whenever you're talking about Oscars, you always got to compare it to what was out that year, right? Like something is never just good enough on its own to win an Oscar. It's always about in comparison to what else came, but I will say this. The music in the How to Train Your Dragon series is one of the things that makes it so breathtaking and beautiful, whether it's in flight scenes in their action sequence. It really is quite underrated, Elizabeth. All right. Next up, Tim Platt writes, Merry Christmas, John and crew. Thank you so much, Tim. Um, thanks for all the joy you bring all of us on a daily basis, normally, but especially over the past couple of years. Oh, well, thank you so much for that, man. I really appreciate that. And that, you know, what are we at now? What are we at? Four years? Four and a half years? How long has it been since I left Collider? I can't remember. We're either at four and a half years or five and a half years now. Time is flying. Oh my goodness, time is flying. I, I can't believe how long we've been doing this. I don't know if any of you guys remember exactly how long ago it was that I left that I left Collider. I cannot remember. Um, I'm going to say four and a half. I think it was June. I think it was June of 2017. Ben Rayner saying July of 20. Yeah, it was June or July of 2017. So we're see, we're getting close to about four and a half years now uh, since I broke out and went out on my own. And <laughs> hey, listen, if you had just told me back then that, hey, you're still going to be existing at the end of 2021, like your channel is still going to exist in 2021, I would have taken that as a huge win. All right. Thank you for that, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was July of 2017. It was June or July of 2017, one of those two days. Uh, Edgar Navarro saying 1,356 days. If that's accurate, that's a pretty cool thing that you did that. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Jordan Everett just sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, Jordan Ratanavong. Ratanavong? I hope I'm saying that right, Jordan writes. Uh, what do you think of The Witcher Season 2? I love it. I finished Witcher Season 2. I quite enjoyed it. I did not think it was nearly as good as Witcher season one. Like I still like, I liked it. It's Witcher season two entertaining. They did some cool stuff. I enjoyed the show. I was not nearly as blown away as I was by Witcher season one though. Just, just to be honest with you. I, I wasn't as blown away by it as I was before. Uh, so there's that. So hold on. give me a second guys. I'm going to, I said we were going to take a break, but we never did take a break. So give me a second here to pop open a, uh, my next, Delicious cup of Zevia Cola. Zevia, who nobody here has ever heard of before my show. Zevia, sponsor me, you insufferably cheap sons of bitches, as I continue to advertise Zevia Cola. By the way, can I just tell you guys something? Can I tell you something? I, I, I'm going to share with you some, a little behind-the-scenes stuff. Something I am so excited about. You know, we have started getting sponsors on the show and I got, I just got informed by my rep that we have just signed like some year long 
uh, some great new sponsorships for the show um, that I am very excited about. Um, they're going to let us be able to do um, some things that I didn't think we we're going to be able to do before. We're going to have the finances now to do some things. I mean, I was hoping we would sign up some more sponsorships because, you know, I now have Ray full time. Ray never worked for me full time. He always worked half time for me, but now he's full time. Kim is, is borderline full time. Um, and there's some other things we've been able to do that because we, we were hoping we we're going to get some more sponsorship show, sign up. And now we're getting far more sponsors signing up for the show than I ever imagined we would. Um, uh, and I won't tell you who they are yet, but you'll see as we start, you'll, we'll start mentioning them during the show once we get into January. But it's an exciting time around here, man. It's a, it's a really, really exciting time. I'm, I'm really stoked. But you know who isn't one of those sponsors? I'll tell you who isn't one of those sponsors. These guys right here. Zevia is not one of the sponsors of the show, despite the fact that I... And, and then again, why would they sponsor my show when I give them a free fucking plug every single day? <laughs> so they're like, Campia, why would we buy the cow when we get the milk for free? I know. Maybe I should stop talking about them. I don't know. But I do love his good Zevia. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, we are at... Uh, that was Jordan. Okay. So next up is Wiley Todd who writes, Hey John, after you've been talking about it for a couple of days, I watched Stardust. Nice. I loved this movie so much and made me feel so good. Have a great uh, fantasy. It's a great fantasy and Princess Bride vibes. I love it so much. Guys, if you have not seen, let me bring it up here. Stardust. Uh, you want to talk? It's it's Daredevil and Captain and and, uh, and uh, Superman. It's Daredevil and Superman. It is so good. It is. It's not as good as the Princess Bride, but it is the modern the the more modern day Princess Bride. Even though this movie is now like gosh, fourteen years old, almost fifteen years old. This movie is amazing. It stars Charlie Cox, your your Daredevil. Claire Danes, who I fell in love with Claire Danes in this movie. Um, Sienna Miller, uh, Ben Barnes. Uh, where's the people I'm really looking forward here? Uh, Mark Strong is one. Uh, Peter O'Toole is the king. One of my all-time favorite actors, Peter O'Toole. Henry Cavill is in it. Robert De Niro. Um, uh, why, am I, uh, why am I freezing on some of the names in my head here? Let me just think about this for a second. Um, Anyway, yes, it just, the list goes on and on. Ricky Gervais is in it. It is fantastic. And it makes my heart happy when I hear one of you guys say, I just watched Stardust. It's a wonderful, beautiful movie that just makes me love movies even more. If you haven't watched Stardust yet, uh, take Wiley Todd's lead and go try watching Stardust. All right, Nick uh, Pop Rocky writes, Christmas Eve is my favorite day of the year, but got COVID after seeing Spider-Man. Oh, dude, that sucks. Uh, I'm, I'm vaxxed and I'm healing well. Happy, uh, happy to spend Christmas with this community. Dude, bunker down, put on some good movies, have some warm soup, recover quickly, and uh, we hope to see you back at the movies very, very soon. And uh, I, hope, I hope you enjoyed the movie, man. Hope you enjoyed the movie. All right, next up. Downright superb rights. Um... Was No Way Home's story a stipulation from Sony to get another deal with Marvel to make people stream the old movies? Uh, 
what would it have been without the deal? I don't think so. No. No. Now, that had nothing to do with it. Everybody's already seen the original movies and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think, honestly, I mean, look, we may find out someday in a book that maybe that was a part of the deal, but I honestly don't think that had anything to do with it. I mean, it's possible. It is. You're asking me my opinion. My opinion is that probably had nothing to do with it. All right. Wave Wonder Bites. Uh, Vincent confirmed on Twitter, uh, it's Daredevil Kingpin. Now, you've seen many, many of his interviews where he's, he clearly said, we talked and we wanted to emotionally play it like Kingpin. There's clearly disconnects. This Kingpin is much more powerful, can take a lot more damage. There are big disconnects between this and Daredevil, but he emotionally played it the same. So in his head, he said he played it the same way. Uh, but yeah. You just got to take plus again, Kevin Feige has already been distancing himself from the Netflix thing. So there's that. All right. Peter Cunnington writes, Merry Christmas, John, to you and your family. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a joyous new year. Thank you so much, Peter. And may you have a wonderful Christmas and a joyous new year as well. My friend, uh, Fanimator writes tonight, my friends and I are watching the West side story and, and Sunday will be matrix resurrections. Well, I can tell you right now tonight, you're going to watch the best movie of the year. And I mean, if you hate musicals, you may not think that, but I, I, to me, it's no question. West side story is the best made movie this year. It's, I I was blown away. I just, I can't even believe how good that movie is. Uh, and as far as tomorrow goes, I hope you have a good time. (laughs) I did not have that great of a time watching matrix resurrections, but I hope you have a good time. All right. Uh, Isaac Meckler writes. I watched the Clifford movie and wasn't expecting much, but was pleasantly surprised. And since I watched Jungle Cruise two days ago, I instantly recognized Jack Whitewall. I really liked him in both. Yeah, you know what? I never did watch the Clifford movie. Um, You guys, of course, know that the only real experience that we've had with the Clifford movie around the John Campus show was that at CinemaCon in Vegas, not only did they give us a surprise screening of Ghostbusters Afterlife months ago, They also gave us a surprise screening of Clifford the Big Red Dog. I was not interested in it, so I left. But Erin was interested in it, Erin Cummings, and she stayed. But then she came and knocked on my door about 45 minutes to an hour later. She goes, yeah, I left. I couldn't keep watching it. So there's that. But you saw it. By the way, I've heard from some other people that it's actually pretty charming. Erin hated it, but I've heard from some other people that's pretty charming, but I never got around to watching myself. I'm glad you had a good time with it, Isaac, and thanks for giving it your recommendation. All right. Uh, next up we've got, uh, Yakko who writes, Hey John, I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Keep bringing on the filthy. Thank you Yakko for that very, very much. Uh, and well wishes to you and your family as well too, my friend. Asuthius writes, I like MCU iteration of Kingpin. I always judge new slash rebooted iterations of characters on their own merits and do my best not to compare to the old versions. And that is the best way to approach it. Like I said, if I didn't know or didn't have the Netflix version of Kingpin in my head, then maybe I would have watched Hawkeye and thought, this is a pretty good character, this Kingpin. But it's really hard, man. It's hard to do that, especially when it's such an iconic thing as Vincent D'Onofrio playing Kingpin. It's very, very difficult not to compare. You're right, though. That's totally the way we should do it, and and I'm glad you are doing it that way. And then, of course, now we get caught up to where Christian Harloff sent in 
<laughs> sent in his face in in his super chat. Merry Christmas Eve, uh, a whole face. So yeah, there we go. Of course, and then we'll get to his twenty dollar one in a second because I guilted him into sending a twenty dollar one. Uh, Elmest writes. Hey, John, I canceled my Matrix IMAX tickets to watch it on HBO Max because of the reviews, and I'm glad I did. The fight scenes were boring, and the story was meh. I'm not sure how 1999 fights looked better. Uh, Yeah, look, I don't think the fight scenes were boring. Personally, I don't think the fight scenes were boring. But do they even hold a candle to the original film's fight scenes? I don't think so. I I don't think they even held the slightest candle to the original fight scenes. And I, I... Listen, I hear most people saying, yeah, it's nowhere near as good as the original, but at least it's better than the two sequels. I don't think so. I actually think the two sequels are better than Matrix 4. Even Matrix 3. I think Matrix 3 is a better movie than Matrix 4. That's that's just me. I don't think many people will agree with me saying that, but that's just my opinion on that. And I'm glad you were able to save your money a little bit. All right. Al Renshaw writes, uh, don't mind alcohol myself, just not the hard stuff. Yeah, I just wish I liked the taste of alcohol. It's just the taste of alcohol that does not work for me. Uh, and then there it is. I, I guilted Christian into sending a $20 super chat. He goes, uh, now it's $22, dick bag. There it is. <laughs> he sends in the 22 And uh, I appreciate that, Christian. I'll, I'll, I'll buy lunch next time. I'll buy lunch with your $22. All right. Empire Fan 1980 writes, is there any shows that you're shocked people never saw? Like me, people, uh, like, like me, people's are shocked. I've never seen the office. Merry Christmas, John. Um, oh yeah. I, the office is definitely one. I get shocked when I hear people haven't watched. Like I remember on this show when Robert told me he hadn't seen, he's never watched the office. I'm like, like what? So I think it's the office and Seinfeld. Like, I know a lot of people who haven't watched Game of Thrones. I know a lot of people who haven't seen Breaking Bad. I know a lot of people who haven't seen, like, a lot of these things. But, like, The Office is pretty much one everybody's watched. And so when you do come across somebody who hasn't watched it, it is surprising. All I can say, Empire fan, is that you are in for a treat when you do start watching. It's probably the greatest sitcom of all time. All right. Rambo Lueb writes, Merry Christmas, John, and to everyone, greetings from, I'm going to guess PH is the Philippines. I hope it is. Anyway, uh, salamat, uh, Rambo. I hope you guys have a great Christmas out where you guys are too. All right, next up, Peter Cunnington writes, Hawkeye was supposed to have a different post-credit scene, but with COVID, they had to change it. Was it? I haven't heard that. I don't know how COVID would make you change your post-credit scene. But I mean, if uh, if it did, whatever. But I mean, look, the post credit scene for the Avengers, the shawarma, that was literally they thought of one day and then pulled everybody together and they shot it on a Saturday. They just they just went to this restaurant and shot the post credit scene on a Saturday. So I have not heard that, Peter Cunnington. But if it is, that's interesting to know. All right. John McKinney writes. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Mine is Bad Santa, uh, 2002. Didn't care much for Bad Santa 2, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I didn't care for Bad Santa 2 that much either. Favorite Christmas movie. I I love Christmas. And so, I mean, maybe like the Alistair Christmas Carol. That has to rank right up there. Yeah, I, I might give a different answer another time, but I'm going to say that that 19... What year was that? 1950 something? Maybe it was even older than that. But that that Christmas Carol, that's probably my favorite. 
It's at least the one my mom put on most. That's the one my mom put on most. Uh, somebody mentioned in the live chat, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, it's a wonderful life is pretty damn up there too. Uh, oh, and Donnie Pearson, 51. That's the year that that uh, Christmas Carol came out, 51. So yeah, I'll go with that one. But yeah, it's a wonderful life. How can you not have that one in the conversation as well? All right. Uh, next, we've got Liam in Japan who writes, as of three and a half hours ago, it is officially Christmas here in Japan. Uh, wish you and your family all the best for the festive season. Keep bringing on the filthy. Well, I guess we don't have to say happy Christmas Eve to you. We can actually say Merry Christmas to you, Liam, and all of our fellow film-loving brothers and sisters in Japan. Have a magnificent, wonderful Christmas day, and thanks for writing in and being with us here today, Liam. Appreciate that. All right, Josie Reviews writes, Merry Christmas, John. When was the first time an ending to a movie actually shocked you? For me, it was the ending for The Mist. Are you talking about the one... Uh, that came out like just not too many years ago. I mean, that was where he kills his own kid and then realizes he didn't have to, it, he didn't, it was unnecessary. He didn't have to have killed his kid. Uh, yeah, that was pretty shocking. A moot where an ending completely shocked me. It might have been not to be stereotypical, but it may have been six cents. Sixth Sense might be the one that to me, let me just look this up quickly because I cannot remember which came out first. Um, Sixth Sense was 99 and Usual Suspects was 95. Okay, I changed that. Usual Suspects. That, that shocked me. Like when you, when you understand when, when the whole Kaiser Soze thing gets revealed, that that to me was like, blah, blah, what? Like, I, I still remember that. Um, Usual Suspects is, by the way, it may have been bumped out of my top 10 of all time, but it's it may still be in my all-time top 10 favorite films. No kidding. Usual Suspects. Um, may very well be in my top 10 all-time films. It may have been bumped out recently, but if it is, it's still in my top 15. That's how much I like this movie. This movie is remarkable. I know a lot of people still haven't seen it, but you should. It's Again, at minimum, it's in my top 15 favorite films ever made. It might still be in my top 10. Like That's how much I like that, so you really should check it out if you get a chance. All right, uh, let's see. Next up, Drew W. writes, the tracksuit mafia was a case of following a little too closely to the comics. Kingpin was off-putting. Kate Bishop was dumb, but very charming. 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, Kate was quite stupid. She was a dumb person. She did many dumb things. Um, and it was hard for me to get on board with Kate. As we got into episodes four and five, Kate, the Kate Bishop character started to warm up on me. Um, I started getting a little bit, especially when there was the more sentimental and emotional moments, the way she went to Clint and all that kind of stuff. It was in those moments that I really started to appreciate the character more. Um, Tracksu Mafia, again, if they just chose a way to go, are they charming buffoons or are they actually a threat to the city of New York? You had to pick which way to go and they tried to do both and it didn't quite work. But yeah, overall for me, unfortunately, I, I think I didn't like the show overall, but it definitely had some highlights. And like, like I said, episodes three, four, and five, I actually enjoyed all three of those episodes. I just wish they stuck the landing. All right. Miguel Cabrera writes, 
I was expecting to see Bucky and Sam watching Rogers the Musical with Bucky not happy. Sam Sam dragged him to it. That would have been, see, that would have been in too. If they had ended that thing, it didn't have to be Old Man Rogers. If they had done that, that would have been a pretty fun post credit scene. And I bet you could have got those guys to do it. I think that would have been great. All right, next up, Liam in Japan writes, uh, maybe a silly question, but now that uh, we've seen the three Spider-Men together on screen, which uh, I shouldn't even, uh, I shouldn't have even read that guy. Um, sorry. I mean, today I'm not, I don't have a screener to go through the stuff. So I apologize if, if that got out there, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to skip over that. Amanda uh, Ma writes, Merry Christmas from Edmonton, Alberta, where it is minus 30 degrees, nonstop sto- snowing, tiled tired of shoveling snow uh, and i'm seeing no way home for the third time happy holidays to you and the john campia show crew bring on the filthy i'll tell you what i do not i miss winter is my favorite season of the year everybody looks at me crazy when i say that but it's true winter is my favorite season of the year and living in california that is the thing i'm one of the things i miss most about living in canada especially this time of year that being said I have and never will miss shoveling. Oh my God. Not only the shoveling, but then after you shovel, you got to get the big bag of salt. You got to go out and spread the salt out and all that kind of stuff. I will never miss that. Never miss that. It's funny because I still have a bit of a Canadian mindset, even though I've been here now for over a decade. But it's like whenever I'm on a street or... Uh, there's a driveway and it's like really angled. I, my, the first thought in my head is, well, that's dumb. What happens when the roads are icy? The cars are all going to, oh, that's right. There's never any ice here. Well, that's dumb having a driveway that's angled that much. Like once it gets cold and the water freezes over, your cars are going to slide right out. Oh, that's right. There is no below zero here. There is no that. So, but it's funny, even today. Actually, Ann and I were just in San Diego a couple of days ago. And we're pulling into the hotel's underground parking. And it was like really steep. And I remember the first thought in my head is like, oh man, thank goodness it's not winter right now. Or else we just slide. Oh, that's right. There is no winter here. Like I still have that Canadian mindset. Winter is my favorite time of year, but I do not miss shoveling. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. We've got Alex Von Gollum, who writes, Regarding No Way Home, which I love, I feel John Favreau's performance is not talked uh, about enough. Uh, the looks on his face in key moments of Acts 2 and 3, well, again, we got to kind of skip over that because we're not going to go into that, into details on Spider-Man No Way Home, nonetheless. But thank you for thinking of writing in anyway, Alex Von Gollum. But no, guys, to everybody who sends in questions, if you want to say or ask like very general things about Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, then we can, and and you can, and that's great. Um, well, you know what? You know what? I take that back. Alex words his Alex words his question actually very very well. You know what? That this is a question we can read out because Reg- everybody knows John Favreau's in the movie. Regarding No Way Home, which I love, I feel John Favreau's performance is not talked about enough. The looks on his face in key moments of Acts two and three, while being subtle, say a lot about what he's thinking and feeling. Actually, you know what, Alex, you you worded that perfectly. Um, I thought. It was fine. No, I, I think John Favreau, as he always does, did a good job. I, but I, I don't feel the same way you do, Alex. That it's like, oh, this was a performance that more people need to talk about. Like I don't feel that strongly about it. Um, 
I don't feel that strongly about it. I think he did a, a decent job. It was good. I don't. I didn't think it was like. I thought there were a lot of other better performances going on around him at the time. To be honest with you, but that's just kind of my take. But yeah, I sometimes even forget that John Favreau was in the movie. All right, man, and I love John Favreau even as an actor. I love John Favreau as an actor. Uh, on top of everything else, he does so well. All right, Mandy's uh, Mandy Mandy's Cabrales writes, or just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you about that. I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, Empire fan nineteen eighty writes, uh, do you think that when they bring Daredevil in the MCU, do you think they will bring in they will bring back Karen and Foggy? I hope so. I love them. I don't think they are because I don't think this is the same. I don't think this is the same world as the world that was in Netflix. And I don't think they're bringing everybody over. I think, I honestly think whenever we get Luke Cage in the MCU, it's not going to be Michael Coulter. I think it's going to be a different Luke Cage. Whenever we do get Jessica Jones in the MCU, I don't think it's going to be the same Jessica Jones that we had in Netflix. I think they have selectively, I don't know this. This is not based on any, this is just me telling you what I'm, what I'm thinking. That's all. This is just me speculating like any fan, but I think they specifically cherry picked Charlie Cox because, you know, Kevin Feige confirmed that and Vincent D'Onofrio. I, I, I don't think it'll be the same Karen or the same Foggy, but it was anyway. I'm not going to go into too much on that, but that's my guess right now. And, and we'll see. I mean, I could be totally right about that. I could be totally wrong about it. I might be partially right about it and partially wrong. I mean, I don't know. We'll find out as we get a little bit further down. All right. Next up. The one sent uh, sends in one. He says, says, happy holidays, John. Thank you so much to one and happy holidays to you and yours as well. All right. Next up, Maria uh, Espino writes. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Maria writes, John, you mentioned that Spidey's death in Infinity War did not play into them rebooting the character for Endgame. Huh? That they did not play into them rebooting the character for Endgame. Well, they didn't reboot the character in Endgame. Could the same be said about Palpatine's return in episode nine? It did take away from Anakin's sacrifice, in my opinion. Oh, you know what, Maria, you sent in you sent in this question before, and we've answered this question before. But just in case you missed when I answered it, let me answer it again. Those are two complete. And by the way, you sent in like a $20 super chat. Thank you for supporting us on that level. They are two completely different situations. All right. Palpatine's return in episode nine, while stupid, while completely stupid. It didn't take anything away from Anakin's sacrifice at all from Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It takes nothing away from that sacrifice. Because you can only say Palpatine returning undoes the effect of Anakin's sacrifice in Return of the Jedi, but it doesn't. Because what happened as a result of Anakin's sacrifice? The galaxy was freed from the tyranny of the Empire. The empire fell, and then the galaxy enjoyed decades of peace and justice in the universe. Decades of peace and justice in the universe as a result of Anakin's sacrifice. So the only way that you can say that the emperor's return undoes Anakin's sacrifice is if his return suddenly made those decades of justice and peace in the galaxy disappear, but they didn't disappear. That happened. That happened. And it happened because Anakin Skywalker sacrificed himself to save his son. And then Luke went on 
He helped. He helped with that. The growing of this new republic that happened for decades. And just because something bad happens somewhere way down the road, decades later, that doesn't undo the good thing that was done and happened before. So to me, Maria, I actually see that as very, very different situations. Very, very different situations. And and none of which that you can compare. I don't think you can compare that to the Spider-Man situation. But that's just my take on that. Anyway, thank you for writing that in, Maria. Have a Merry Christmas, a wonderful holiday season with you and yours. And thank you so much for supporting our channel on that level. All right, next up. Florian Stumpf writes, Merry Christmas to everyone. Just wanted to say that I enjoyed both No Way Home and Matrix 4 quite a lot. Stay safe. And you know what, Florian? That's like, I'm sitting here complaining about Matrix 4, but that was just my personal experience with it. Film is subjective. And if you watched it and it hit you the right way and made you enjoy yourself and have a good time, that's awesome. I celebrate that and I'm glad you enjoyed it, Florian. Thanks for writing in, man. Uh, My Comic Planet writes, Happy Holidays, John. I saw that Sony is pushing to have No Way Home considered for Oscar noms. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it's nominated for Best Picture. Again, like we were talking a little bit earlier, every studio pushes most of their movies. For like, I was actually at a friend's last night who's an awards voter and had all these screening discs out. And in all of them are, for your consideration, Best Picture. For your consideration, Best Picture. I mean, they're all pushing their films for Best Picture. They all are. I, you know what? Again, in an era with 10 possible nominees for Best Picture, I I won't be surprised if No Way Home gets a Best Picture nomination. If, if we were still in an era where there was five, it wouldn't get a Best Picture nomination. But in an era where you can have up to 10 nominees for Best Picture, I won't be surprised if No Way Home gets one of those spots. I mean, definitely not going to win, nor should it. But I, I, I won't be. I mean, I'm also not going to be surprised if it doesn't. But I won't be surprised if it does. Not in an era with ten nominees. All right, next up, uh, Ruben uh, Dongalen Jr. I hope I'm saying that right. Writes. Happy holidays, John, Ray, uh, and Kim. As a good Filipino-Canadian kid, I was it was awesome watching Jacob Batalone in No Way Home. He was brilliant. Yeah, and in those scenes where he's talking with his grandmother in, Tag- in Tagalog, uh, Ray and Anne are just laughing their heads off while nobody else understood what the hell was going on and being said, which was actually like really totally funny. But yeah, that was really, really good to see. So thank you so much for writing that in, Ruben, and Salamat for writing in, and Merry Christmas to you, your friends and family. All right. Uh, My Comic Planet writes, No Way Home will cross $1 billion at the worldwide box office on Christmas Day. Absolutely incredible in the pandemic era. Oh, it's incredible. First of all, that's incredible regardless of the era. Regardless of the era. A film joining the billion-dollar club is always remarkable. When a a new film joins the billion-dollar club, it is a remarkable accomplishment. A film joining the billion dollar club in its first 10 days is absolutely remarkable. The fact that Spider-Man No Way Home is doing this in a pandemic era, in a in a pandemic era, isn't just incredible. I mean, that's that's like whole nother level crazy. Whole nother level crazy. It's it's just it's so good to see. It's so good to see Mike on planet. All right. Duroc Media writes, uh, a video interview with Vincent D'Onofrio said it was the same, although Feige may see it differently. Remember, he says, 
again, go back and look at his interviews and read his interviews again. D'Onofrio makes it very clear that emotionally he played him the same. That he tried to connect, his specific words were, he tried to connect as many dots as he could with the daredevil kingpin and to play him emotionally the same. So in his mind, it was the same guy. But he was also very specific to say, look, it's clearly not the same. There's a lot of things that are massive disconnects between the daredevil um, the daredevil kingpin and the Hawkeye kingpin. Obviously, most obviously his strength level, his endurance level, all these types of things. So there's total disconnects there. But he's but he said specifically in those interviews, but emotionally and in my head, I try to connect as many dots as possible and play him to the same in my mind, same guy. But this is there's obviously disconnects, he said, but that it's not the same guy. So I just think a lot of people are misinterpreting him. Now, look, I may be the one misinterpreting him. We may find out in a couple of weeks that that Kevin Feige comes out and says, we are reinstituting the Netflix Marvel Universe. We're reinstituting it all. That that Netflix Marvel Universe is the consistent thing with the MCU. Now, obviously, they've done many things that show that that's not the case, but Oh, Kevin Feige may do that at some point, which would totally set this to rest. But again, I think a lot of people are misinterpreting Vincent D'Onofrio's words, but that's just me. All right. My comic planet writes, um, back when we were all so excited about all the movies coming in December, I didn't expect no way home and West side story to be the only home run so far. Yeah. Um, I, 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 again, I haven't seen licorice pizza yet. So, I mean, that has been pretty much hitting it as a home run for a lot of people as well. Um, so there's that. But listen, again, just if those are the only two movies I saw in the last couple of months, that's still pretty damn good. <laughs> like those are two great, fun, entertaining movies. Uh, no Way Home is a, is a is a fanboy's kind of dream movie. West Side Story is the best movie of the year. I mean, if you guys haven't seen either of these two in theaters yet, you need to get out and do that. All right. Caden Stab writes, my wife and I are in the middle of season five of Blacklist. Nice. I really like that show. Tom is actually dead. Wow. Have you watched Blacklist, John? I personally am a big Spader fan. Oh, yeah. I've watched all of the Blacklist. I'm fully caught up on the Blacklist. By the way, Aaron Cummings is in the Blacklist. I mean, just one episode, she's like the, the, the main prime guest star of one of the episodes. Like she plays this agent. And so anyway, separate thing. But yes, Aaron Cummings is in the Blacklist. Um, I love the Blacklist. I mean, there, there were one or two seasons when their storyline to me was like, eh. like when they were searching for the bones season, I'm like, eh. but overall, I really do like the show and I still watch it today. I still watch it. All right. Next up, getting close to the end here, guys. Liam in Japan writes, um, finally watched the Witcher last week. Now really excited to see Henry Cavill as the Highlander. How hyped are you for the reboot? I am losing um, some enthusiasm just because it's been so long. Like I, I love the Highlander, the Highlander, the original Highlander with Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert. That movie is in my top 10 favorite films of all time. It's the one film in my top 10 list that people kind of look at me a little sideways. Like that film's in your top 10. Yeah. The original Highlander is one of my favorite movies ever made for a long time. Um, they have been talking about getting another one done. And then a while ago, uh, like one of the John Wick guys is directing it. And then they finally said, Henry Cavill is going to be Connor McLeod. Great. But uh, I, I don't know. I'm waiting to see where they're going to go because I haven't heard any real good movement on it in a while. So I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed. All right. 
Next up, my comic planet writes, I've uh, been watching the Yellowstone prequel 19, or 1883 and I love it. Amazed at how Tim McGraw has been able to make the transition from music star to movie star. I'm hearing really good things about 1883. Really good things about it. Now, I haven't started watching it yet, uh, but I am watching Yellowstone. It might be my favorite show on TV right now that I'm currently in the midst of watching. Yellowstone's amazing. I, I mean, I was late to the party, but I absolutely loved it. We actually had one of the... Um, uh, we had one of the stars of the show, Jefferson White. Uh, he was on and uh, chatting with us on the show last week. He plays Jimmy on Yellowstone. We actually had him on the show. But yes, I am definitely going to watch 1883. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. All right. Next up, we got Eric uh, Beckner who writes, Eternals helped me out. Whenever I see an annoying, powerful villain or conspiracy plot from here on in the MCU, I just imagine RSM showing up and punching them in the face. Merry Christmas, John. I know, like... Again, one of the things that I said when I came out of watching Eternals was that not only is Eternals like one of the most, probably the single most different MCU movie that we've ever had. And on top of the fact that it does more to expand the galaxy and mythology of the MCU more than any other MCU film has had. I said one of the other things about Eternals that it is kind of makes everything else that has happened in the MCU feel kind of small. Because when the creator of the universe, Arshem the judge, and his head that's as big as our planet pops up above our skies, and he's saying, I will return for judgment. I mean, I mean what else matters? Oh, oh, we're Hawkeye, and we have this little Rolex watch with a shield insignia on the back. Oh, who cares? Harshem, the judge is coming. Like, that's one of the things that did. It just kind of made almost everything else in the MCU feel a little bit smaller. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying that's just kind of the, the impression I had with it. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up. Uh, Jake Therian writes, that Mephisto movie had everyone not remembering anything. Is that a meta joke? Like there was a Mephisto movie and it made us, and we forgot everything and now we don't even remember there was a Mephisto movie? Probably. All right. Empire Fan 1980 writes, had a bad day. Uh, my PlayStation account got lost slash stolen. All oh, that sucks, man. Eight years of my life in Grand Theft Auto Online. Have to start over. Thank you for relaxing me. Dude, that sucks. That sucks. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, it does, um, hold on a second. It does remind me, though, the other thing, like Anne and I are going to be um, going to see S Spider-Man No Way Home again today. That said, the other thing we're going to be doing today is we're going to be playing a lot of It Takes Two. Now, for those of you who might have missed it, It Takes Two, we had never even heard of this game. And it just won Game of the Year at the, the Video Game Awards. And honestly, Anne and I had never even really heard of it. Never heard of it, but it was nominated in every single category, like almost every single category it was nominated. And then the the big award, Game of the Year, came up, and it won Game of the Year. And Ann and I were like, well, I just got my PS5. Let's download it and play it, because it's a game you can play in tandem. Oh my God, we love this game. We love this game. If you guys have not tried playing It Takes Two, you should totally totally give it a shot it's it's unbelievably fun it's it's very it's, it's emotional 
It's relevant. It's just a fun, fun game. So, uh, yeah, that's the other thing we're going to be doing today. We haven't had a lot of time to play this week. So we decide today we're going to take some hours, sit down, get a couple bags of chips, and uh, just play Takes Two for a few hours before we go to see Spider-Man later. So that's what we're doing. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, and by the way, Empire fan, get a hold of your of the play, of PlayStation customer service. That's Because that's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. See if you can get that back, man, because my heart goes out to you if, if it's lost. But see if you can get it back. Keep trying, man. Keep trying. All right. Uh, Oliver, Jamie writes, international film suggestion on the job. It's a very rare, it's, it's, it is very rare. Filipino film gets into Blu-ray slash physical media. I will keep that in mind. I'll ask Ray. Actually, I know Ray's, Ray and Ann's mom will love it if we got that. Uh, and then finally, Connor Dixon just sends in a $13 and 26 cent super chat just to be supportive. Thank you for that, Connor. Appreciate that very much. And guys, that'll do it. For today's very special Christmas Eve edition, very relaxed, laid back installment of the John Campus Show. Guys, thank you so much uh, for being here and hanging out. And and honestly, uh, from my heart to yours, have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, May it be filled with some fun activity or some just laying back and relaxing, filled with friends and family, or maybe some much-deserved alone time. Whatever it is you guys need this holiday season, I hope you get it in spades. And uh, we will be back again on Monday. But, um, and I'll save some of my bigger thoughts for the end of the year because we still have another week to go. But just as a quick little thing here, from the bottom of my heart, Ray, Kimberly, everybody involved with the John Campus Show, um, thank you guys so much for being a part of our community. Thank you so much for supporting what we do. Um, it is a joy and a privilege every day. Like when I say it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you, our international friends, join us. We, it, it's not just a script. It's not just empty words. It There's not a day that goes by that I am not cognizant and aware that it is an awesome honor and an awesome privilege that you guys take time out of your day to be here as we do it live or watch our content afterwards. So from all of us to all of you, Merry Christmas. Have a great, wonderful holiday season. And uh, we'll be back and see you guys on Monday. So that'll do it for this installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here, guys. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.